This is a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on FUBAR Radio. Hello, hello. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> I wasn't sure whether the uh, microphone's going to work. It's a little bit That's stressful. Funny, isn't it? It's very I mean, stressful today. We just had Callum McSwiggins' show on, but Cal- it literally just fades out. Callum McSwiggins? Yeah. What, they just faded him out to put us on? Yeah. Is that what happened? You just faded him out to put us on? Wow. No one was listening to that anyway, so we just fade that out. That's like my mum walking into a room <laughs> and just switching the... Or, 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 or my wife. Imagine if you... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've just spent a week at my parents' house. Was that nice? Yes. <laughs> no, it was. It was. It was nice. Um, so go on. Cal- it's funny that they just get faded out. Imagine if you're like really in the midst of it and you're getting really into it. God, I'm really enjoying this show. And it just fades down and we come on. Yeah. <laughs> just ruin. I was enjoying that. It's like a pop-up ad when you're watching internet po- or uh, YouTube <laughs> reviews. Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, this is your list. Um, <laughs> my name's... My name's... Whoa! Michael Menatan and Metal Fan Club sur FIBA Radio. Way! Whoa! Yeah, you're listening to hey it's friday good morning afternoon uh, good um, morning uh you're listening to five star fan club with me nick helm and my uh, faithful and as ever ready uh, assistant nathaniel Metcalf. that's right and we are about to off-road uh, on <laughs> another week's uh, events in the land of popular culture um <laughs> Uh, we're co-hosts, aren't we? We are co-hosts, yeah. It says in this script that I'm reading off that, um, that you're my assistant. Have you got a, 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 a script? Yeah, I wrote one last night. Oh, and, okay. uh, and I just keep, <laughs> keep wanting to fact-check it with the person that wrote it, and it's me. No, um, as, uh, you're not... You're, yeah. Anyway, it's a, it's a running joke that uh, it's not ever funny. And, uh, and I, regret, I regret saying it. Anyway, uh, my name is Nick Cal. This is Nathaniel Metcalf, and you're listening to Five Star Fan Club. Uh, as always, we are here with the latest up-to-date reviews of John Carpenter <laughs> movies from the '80s, um, ever giving you uh, our uh, ever constantly same evolving, reviews every week, st- constantly evolving opinions <laughs> on John Carpenter. This week, I think he's probably the third greatest director of all time. How about you, Matt? That's a good list. Who are the top t- top three then? Uh, that would be Bendover. <laughs> he is a good director. Yeah, and Russ Meyer. Mm. Um, Bendover's good because he's also in his films as well, isn't he? Yeah. So, so that's it's. He's so more. He's more like Kenneth Branagh. He's <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Kenneth Branagh of cock and balls. <laughs> um, no. So who who would you say the best directors of all time? Oh, crikey, that's a tough one. Do you know what? I don't know. I'd say Penelope Spheris. Uh, Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. John Carpenter. Yeah. And that's my top three. There you go. Uh, I would go... Oh, it's Spike Lee. Spike Lee. Mm. There you go. John Carpenter's sort of the odd one out there. Why? So he's a man. Oh, and Spike Lee. He's an old white man. Old white man. Uh, I suppose he is, actually, now I think about it. I didn't think about that when I put the list together. But, um, I yeah. saw it. No, I you're saw right. It. You're right now that I look at it. Uh, he's, an old, he's an old white man. Well, I don't want... I should probably take him off the list, then. Um, 
Alfred so Tri- I spiked Lee Fell uh, one Sunday Oh you Bumped did You went to fucking Malcolm Yeah we had a fucking So we went out on We did the show did the We show. went out on Friday night Yeah uh, To see the closing of uh, Big Red And uh, Big, so Big Red is a bar on uh, Holloway Road mm-hmm. Was a bar on Holloway Road What is it now? I flats probably I don't know Probably luxury flats, <laughs> flats isn't it? That's probably flats. what it is now flats. flats It's all flats now isn't it That's what it's become Flats Everything's flats isn't they um, it was so. It was like um, it was like uh, I'd say. So there's a dive bar. There's a Los Angeles dive bar on Upper Street uh, in Islington called um, Slim Jims, mm-hmm. which is kind of like was, was it's sort of my favourite bar, except for the fact that the clientele are um, uh, um, all sort of like hipsters and they're kind of like holidaying in a land of uh, what I like about that bar is you can go in there and they will. N- I, I don't know if it's ironically or not, but they will sort of, like... It's the only bar that you can go into where they play sort of like Alice Cooper and Kiss and uh, a bit like Jimi Hendrix and like, just mm-hmm. old, like, like rock music, right? Um, and it's sort of nearby, and I really like that bar, but uh, sort of part of me thinks that it's enjoyed by the clientele in an almost ironic kind of way. Okay. Or it is... I think it's a really cool bar, but it's kind of like the sort of bar that... Um, uh, hmm. It's almost like they wished that they. It's like Westworld for hipsters, right? Where they go, well, we wish that we could listen to this sort of stuff unironically, but we can't bring ourselves to do it. So there's a hint of irony to it. But uh, Slim Jim's is sort of the sister bar to Ace and Eight, so from Tuffnell Park. Oh, I know, yeah, yeah. And Tuffnell Park. So they both sell pizza, mm-hmm. but you, you wouldn't necessarily put them together. But Tuffnell Park, that's quite a nice bar as well. Anyway, so. Big Red is was sort of like the antithesis of that, where no one listened to any of the music there, ironically, on any level. And there was no doubt about it. It was just, it was like a biker bar mm. with sort of like neon signs out the front and <clears throat> old sort of uh, exploitation uh, movie posters on the walls mm. and sort of um, uh, <laughs> metallic uh, animal skulls and antlers and yeah it does feel quite and it's not it's not nothing's obvious nothing's sort of route one on the posters it's all a bit like ah, that's interesting it's like somebody's really cultivated yeah it it feels like someone it feels like it's someone's opinion it's got like an opinion to it like i like that film i'm gonna get the poster and put it in the wall of this bar yeah and also like really interesting bits of artwork that you know like you can oh, yeah, yeah. like they had this amazing magnificent seven poster yeah. by the toilets and you came out of the toilets going fucking hell have you seen this poster and you go, yeah of course i have <laughs> but um you know what i'm like with toilets and uh, <laughs> um and uh yeah but it's just sort of, so i was found myself like taking photos and trying to sort of like find find the same stuff. i found like quite a few of the posters online um and i bought a few but, yeah, I mean, it was just this really cool place. They used to have pool tables, and they got rid of the pool tables a couple of years ago, which I'll never really forgive them for, because it really tied it together. It made you feel like you were in the bar at the beginning of Terminator 2. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was just, like, really... It was nice. Yeah. I'd been there a couple of times, but I hadn't really given it much thought. And I was only, it was only really last week thinking, ah, oh, it's going. I was going, ah, oh, it's nice, isn't it? And there's, like, lots of... Everyone there was quite nice. Nice Everyone was nice. Nice sort of Everyone crowd was and ter- things. It was incredibly scary looking and nice, which mm. is always the way. Um, and I saw, was, what seemed quite genuine was it? I saw uh, a man in his fifties 
uh, wash his leather cowboy hat in a sink. Mm. And that felt quite genuine. Well, there you go. Yeah, but it, it, it does raise a lot of questions, doesn't it? <laughs> hmm. What did he do to know. that fucking hat? <laughs> well, it was very loud, wasn't it? And yeah. uh, and uh, I'd had a really bad day on Friday last week. Um, and uh, yeah, and I bumped in. And there was sort of like one of those things where you have like, so you were there, and then my friend from primary school was there, and my friend from secondary school was there, and then the food bar lot were there, and um, uh, our guest from last week, Joe Costa, was there. And yeah, it was sort of like a. It was oh, and my agent uh, was there, and it's just sort of so sort of like a whole group of you know. I was the connecting tissue between all of those groups of people, and I was in a bad mood, and it was really loud, and so I just ended up just sitting there and um, doing what I could manage, which was talking to the person directly next to me. <laughs> Playing cards at one point. I played cards at one point. I do like cards. It's so loud. It was so loud. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, anyway, I think it's really sad that it's closed. Just to, speaking of being a fan of stuff, I think it's really sad that it's closed because I think it was a genuine alternative place. It wasn't a shithole. It was really cool. Mm. It was really nice. And it's like an alternative kind of, um, what is it, counterculture type thing which isn't really represented and it's sort of my the sort of thing that I'm into mm. and um, yeah you're right I think it's like the the kind of things you'd get now like that would be people doing a kind of uh, a version of it where they can replicate you know that kind of like it was it was um, it's all ironic so what was they do that thing um, was it, they did like a power ballad night where everyone goes to listen to sort of power ballads and you know it's all sort of 80s cock rock type stuff. But everyone turns up wearing wigs and inflatable uh, <laughs> guitars. And it's sort of um, insulting. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's insulting you, your culture. You can put a fucking wig on, mate, but you take it off on Monday. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> With your shirt and tie yeah. in your bank that you... That, you, that, you, that you're banking in. That you're, bloke wears a leather a hat so much he has to wash it every now and then. <laughs> that guy just... had to shit in his own leather hat on the way to the fucking bar and <laughs> rinse it out and let it dry naturally uh, because the queue for the hand dryers was too long and then hours later was seen wearing it on his head again. <laughs> that's that's living. Uh, you can't fucking replicate that on a fucking... in a, yeah. with, in a fucking joke shop wig. Fucking the absolute fucking scum, subhuman scum. <laughs> uh, the people that you know, pretenders. Uh, not the band. Uh, that I'm sure they're very nice. Um, but uh, <laughs> fucking. So, um, so they did that on Friday. Anyway, I think it's going to be a real. It's real. It's a real shame. I didn't go to it every week, but I did go to it a few times a year whenever I sort of like wanted to mm. go out locally. Um, and um, yeah, it's a shame that it's gone. But, um, the other thing I noticed about it when I went in, there was a bouncer outside who were uh, it was it was free free entry, but they they um, stamped my hand, but they were stamping everyone's hand. But I noticed when they stamped my hand that the stamp had no ink on it. <laughs> I was looking at it, no mark at all. There's just like lots of like tiny moments like that. I was going, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I did see people with ink on their hands. They didn't stamp me at all, but I think that maybe that was because I was there at six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I got there till about half nine. Um, 
It was, uh, yeah, it was really, uh, yeah, but I think he's going to try and open up another place. I mean, the lease just ran out, so it wasn't like it got shut down or anything. Okay. But, um, but yeah, it's a shame. Um, yeah, I just, just think that it's like a, pe- a part of society that is sort of stamped out and underrepresented. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, you know. Yeah, that's right. That's right, actually. I guess you don't see that a lot, do you? You don't have that, especially not in London, where you'd imagine you'd get... Everything's ironic. Mm. And, you know, it, it reminded me of, like, the goth bars and stuff that yeah. we used to go to when we were, we were younger. But the Intrepid Fox has closed down. Um, there was somewhere else that was somewhere else, an angel that's not there anymore, and uh, no, in um, in Camden. And then the only place that there is is this the, the crowbar, but the crowbar is really small, and uh, I mean, it's sort of disgusting. <laughs> you know, there's always sort of like a, a shit on the toilet floor. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh, rock and oh. roll. Okay, okay. So that is, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> It's horrible, you know, um, and it's really hot and small and kind of. Mm. But anyway, so um, so that's that. Anyway, so we saw each other on Friday night. Uh, Saturday we didn't see each other. Didn't see each other. And then I uh, met up with a friend, which was weird. It was weird because I had uh, I was going to meet up with a friend in central London, uh, and I went to the place where they were meant to be, and they weren't there. So I gave up and I sort of gravitated towards the BFI. And then I found out that my friend was there, but they were in the garden and I didn't look. So just so you know, I'm adding that to the story. So you know, at home, don't worry, guys, I wasn't stood up. I uh, just didn't see them. It happens a lot, though. Uh, just always sort of like... They're, they're always, always in the garden. Always just out of sight. <laughs> I'm in the garden. Oh, no, the other garden. Um, Sometimes you just got to assume they are at work because you never see them again. Sure. It was Michael Legg. Uh, I think I will see him again. Okay. I know where he is and when he is. <laughs> I just Google when his gigs are. When his gigs are, and just show up. Just show up. Stand there. Um, and I do boo him, but I boo him really quietly under my breath, right at the front. So he can hear, but no one else so he can. Hear, but we no don't want to spoil can. it for anyone. And then he will uh, he'll react to it, but no one else will know what he's fucking doing. I think so it's like he's gone mad. It's like he's gone mad. Leave him alone, Michael. He's not done anything. gone absolutely mad. Um, so I gravitated towards the BFI and <laughs> look up, go to the bar, look up, who's there? This guy. This guy. <laughs> so you went to see Malcolm X. I went to see Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really good, really good film. I hadn't you've seen not, it. You've not seen it before? No, I'd seen it in the, like, the, like, 90s, but, like, I think not even on telly. I think it was on, like, Channel 5 or something. And probably not the best way to do it. But I really, I thought it was a really great film. Really impressive and really, like... It feels like it was when Spike Lee was at the height of him sort of doing a sort of his Martin Scorsese type era. Right, yeah. So it feels like that. It's got that very... It was the same era. Yeah. It was the same era. It was 1990, was it? 1992 is Malcolm X. Right. So So I think he was was very influenced by... Goodfellas was 90, was it? 90. Yeah. Uh, But it's great, yeah. Really great film. Goodfellas was 90. Home Alone was 90 as well, right? Yeah. Joe Pesci had a good year. He <laughs> did. It, yeah, it really was his bumper year. You little fuck! What year? Uh, 89, would it be? Lethal Weapon 2? Uh, uh, would that be 90? Well, Lethal Weapon was, what, 86 or 87? And then oh, yeah. <laughs> fucking hell, why do you... But what I do know is that Lethal Weapon 3 is really early. Like, and <clears throat> Lethal Weapon 3 is like 90... Two or 91. I don't really know much about these weapons. I reckon um, it's going to be 87, 89, 91, 97? No. What, Lethal Weapon 3? 
What's Lethal Weapon 2? 89. 89. 92. And then Lethal Weapon 4 was like... 97? I think it's earlier. I think it's 96. 98. 98, 98, right. But it was earlier than I thought. I thought it was like a latter day, oh, okay, we're getting the band back together. But fucking, like, hmm. Anyway, it's at least a weapon for it. It's just fucking a bit of a terrible. Mess, it? Proper mess. Fucking terrible. It's like it's like they don't really know who they're... It's like they want to kind of pass the, the baton on. It's like they go, oh, well, we won't do another one with these guys, but maybe we'll have Chris Rock in it. But he's like a sort of supporting character who's it's like what, what are you trying to do with this I don't get it it's like what they do it's like what happens with a lot of sequels where they f- start beginning to feel slighter and slighter like the story that they wanted to tell was in the first one mm. and two right happened with Toy Story as well we're like uh, well what do we do with Buzz well we'll put him on factory settings and now he's going to speak in a, and it's like that'd be fine if it was an episode in a sitcom yeah but they did it with Bad Boys too, where there's like this weird like um He's doing, um, he does sort of like that, whoosha. Is that what he says? Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's just sort of like, and you go, that's like an episode of a sitcom where he's decided to do kind of like anger management courses. But like, not a whole plot for a sequel. (laughs) And then when he has that interlude when he accidentally takes ecstasy, and then you go, yeah, this is like a weird, but not like. Yeah, it's not. Whereas Bad Boys feels like a film. And Bad Boys 2 feels like a series of events, series of unfortunate events. And then. With Lethal Weapon, it's like, yeah, yeah. And then in Lethal Weapon 4, it's like, oh, it starts with them fishing and they accidentally uh, catch a shark and the shark goes on the boat. And then <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Chris Rock is dating Danny Glover's daughter and they keep like going, whoa, if I catch this guy that's dating my daughter and Chris Rock keeps going, oh, why? And you go, this is like, it's such a, sl- a series of such slight yeah. incidents yeah. that you just think, what's the fucking point in any of this? Yeah, it does fit, yeah it's like they keep just throwing stuff at it to be like... And then this, is this enough? Can we have this as well? And it's like, I guess. And it just, it's like a pudding. Because I think I And could... then you have the kind of um, Rene Russo uh, having a baby bit as well at the end. And, you know, that kind of... Uh... And then we go to all Father of the Bride. Yeah. It's <laughs> part two. Um, it's <laughs> Jet Because you go like Lethal Weapon, yeah. You know, mismatched cops put together. Uh, and then Lethal Weapon 2, South Africans arrive. And it is, that's it. The first thing they start, they find the Cougarans and they go, oh, what's... So it's like a proper, like, plot got a proper plot that kind what, of... Lethal Weapon? Yeah, that Lethal drives Weapon. it. And Lethal Weapon 2, same, like the South African plot, and it's kind of like, and it sort of focuses more on uh, uh, Murtau. Yeah. And then you get Lethal Weapon 3, where it's got the uh, cop killer bullets. Yeah. And it's kind of like, not, the bad guy isn't as kind of like memorable, but, I mean, it's got a plot. Hmm. And then Lethal Weapon 4 is just like, we don't know what the fuck we're doing, actually. Yeah. Actually, the, the Lethal Weapons just start because it's, the plot of Lethal Weapon is... Uh, a cop who's suicidal is teamed up with an older cop and it's basically like will he will he kill himself <laughs> it's pretty much that isn't it he's like he's kind of at the end of his rope so he's he's now the you've lethal got, weapon you've got a young lethal weapon maverick cop with nothing to lose mm. who doesn't give a shit about himself or anyone around him and then you've got a family man that's four days away from retirement and one of them's white and one of them black it's like 1980s like, and he's an ex-Vietnam vet isn't he he's yes back, yeah which, again, would have made Mel Gibson very young in Vietnam. He would have been um, eight. Mm. He would have been, yeah. And also, isn't... Uh, I think Danny Glover is 40 when he makes... Yeah. He's really they, young. They age him up. Yeah, they age him up. Um, 
Yeah, because he looks <laughs> he looks really fucking young in Predator Two. Yeah, <laughs> fucking hell, and it's set in the future. I mean, Predator Two is set one year before Lethal Weapon Four was made. <laughs> it's uh, it's incredible. Yes, um, it's it, fucking it's yeah weird. Um, anyway, yes. So uh, you can tell I'm more comfortable talking about <laughs> Lethal Weapon than. <laughs> Malcolm X. <laughs> that is a great. It's really good, the Malcolm X, and it's three hours twenty, and it's not like it flies by, but it's really kind of episodic in kind of a really sort of satisfying way. It's mm. very like <clears throat> it's really really easy watch and very kind of uh, um, like really sort of fascinating. And everyone's like everyone puts a shift in. Denzel Washington's brilliant in it. Um, Spike Lee's in it for it's much more like a proper life so Spike Lee's in it for like two thirds and then drops away because it's just like that like some characters come in and out because they're just the period of time they knew them do you know what I mean yeah sure so you get people who are like big big characters for bits of the film who just drop in and out because that's what happened in an actual life yeah and you go oh that's really interesting it doesn't it's not then you're not trying to catch up with them and go so where are they now Where are they going to come back what's the like what's their you know what's what's their story arc it's like their story arc's gone their story arc is how it interacts with um denzel washington malcolm x it's that and it's that sort of biopic it's just sort of done really well and really sort of smart and really puts it into context and um recreate it feels like an incredibly expensive film uh and i don't know if it was it feels like it's all recreated really well that kind of era yeah um (coughs) And it looks great. It's a real, like, sort of pretty film to look at and stuff. And it felt like, I mean, the only Oscar thing it was nominated for was Denzel Washington. But it just feels like, if this came out now, this would be, like, a, uh, like a surefire. Like, yeah, right. get everything. It just felt like they've really thrown everything at it. And it's a really, like, impressive it's a bit, film. It's a shame, isn't it? Because a lot of um, Spike Lee films, a lot of Spike Lee joints... Uh, they feel a little bit scrappy mm. and sort of thrown together. Yeah, and I think he's got that thing, isn't he? Like Woody Allen, it's almost like doesn't he do like pretty much one a year? He always has done. If you look back, he's made he's made like he must have made like thirty odd films or something. Mm. He's just like he's he's constantly bringing stuff out, and a lot of them now don't even really make make cinemas. I think they're just like straight to video or right. whatever. Well, yeah. What was he doing? He was doing lectures, though, wasn't he? Yeah, he works. He's like he's in New York. Is he like he doesn't he work for like New York Film School or something as well? Yeah, well, he did that to fund his next some of his projects because he wasn't getting any money from anyone. Yeah, you just think that's fucking ridiculous, really. So, um, I've never seen Malcolm X, I feel like I've seen it because I I think it's probably on TV at the time. Mm. Well, that's what I love about those retrospective screenings. Um, is that you know, like when we saw Wages of Fear, where you actually sat in the cinema and you haven't got your phone on and Okay, it's three and a half hours long, and now you're locked in, and you have to pay attention. Yeah, and, and it's it. actually and when I, before I went in, I, I was kind of <coughs> tired, and I was a bit like, oh, I don't know, I've really committed to this. Like, uh, well, so I did it on a whim. Work, yeah, just, yeah, just finished work, and I'd done it on a whim. You'd spent all day in the cinema, and you thought, <laughs> I know, I'll treat myself. I'll spend another three and a half hours in the cinema. <laughs> and it felt like when I when I got the ticket, I sort of had that um, instant regret of like, oh, actually, this is a lot. And it was really impressive that it just totally, you know, captured my attention and was really, like, good and never, never bored or never... Mm. 
and it was but it did make me feel like yeah like you said when you saw me you just went oh god we're a couple of nerds and <laughs> both of the BFI independently just both at the same we just at the same time we just both didn't have anything else on so we gravitated towards the BFI went to the bar looked up and there you were there I was fucking what a couple of fucking nerds <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's nice though um yeah, good. Right, so um, from Malcolm X to Professor X, what do you think of uh, Denzel Washington potentially being cast as Professor X in the X-Men? Oh, I hadn't heard that. Um, I think it's perfect casting. Yeah, yeah, it's actually really good. I can uh, really imagine it. Um, it's been, everyone's very angry that it's uh, the... Um, what's the word when they put... They, you know, there's gender swapping roles, isn't there? Isn't there? Was it race, was a blind blind casting? Is it? It's colour blind casting. Color blind casting. But that's not what they're doing. It's kind of like it's a deliberate kind of um, uh, race swap thing. Um, <laughs> but you know, we've had. When was X Men out? Two thousand and one. Two thousand. Two thousand. So X Men was out in two thousand, um, and. Uh, I think he's Professor X. Or maybe he's Magneto. No, he's Magneto. Who? Denzel Washington. Oh, Magneto. Mm. <clears throat> so, the character of Magneto uh, in the 2000 movie... Now, let's remember, guys, that was 19 years ago. <laughs> uh, was played by Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. Oh! Here we are. Here we go. <laughs> not, not as good I this week. I can control metal. Oh right! What are you doing? What are you doing at the moment? I'm booking Sonisphere. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's a proper joke. And um, so, so you got fucking Ian McKellen. Uh, is uh, the film starts? If you can cast your mind back all those years ago, in a concentration camp uh, during World War Two, in a Jewish concentration camp, and. Um, uh, the kid is being dragged away and then he first becomes aware of his magnetic powers because he's being dragged away and he uh, fucks up the metal fence at the concentration yeah. camp. Um, and then he grows up to be uh, Ian McKellen and uh, Magneto. And, you know, that was the origin story from the comic books, right? Yeah, that was kind of brought in a bit later, though. <coughs> I think in the initial ones, he's just like, Metal Man. It would have, metal. Been, it would have been too <laughs> close. Metal. It would have been way too close. Yeah, so it would have been time. 63, I think, is X-Men. Yeah, yeah so, so it 20, would have been 20 years, years after Less than 20 years. Yeah. 18 years and after. probably a bit. And, and also, we've learned a lot more historically about what happened in the concentration mm. camps and stuff since then. So it's not like... It's not like it would have been straight from the, straight from the headlines. So, and, and then... And then more importantly than that, like Brian Singer, regardless of who he is now, allegedly, um, he cast uh, Ian McKellen because Ian McKellen's gay, and uh, and X Men is all about minority groups being yeah. persecuted by society, and so he he's a gay actor playing a, a, a Jewish uh, concentration camp survivor. So it's kind of like there's a lot of layers to it. Mm -hmm. But if you were going to do a reboot of X-Men, you couldn't set it in the... You'd have, like, your main hero or your main bad guy would be 120 <laughs> years old. He would be, like... He'd be too old. Yeah. I mean, Ian McKellen was too old in... Two, like, too, um, too young, really. You've got, you've got to think that character must be, like, 
So what is he like eighty mm. at that point or whatever? He's like um, who in McKellen? Yeah, in real life? No, no. In in when X Men started, you kind of think, well, if he's a kid in like concentration camps, so I guess he's like, what would he be? Late thirties, I guess he'd be born. So I guess yeah, he'd be. Well, actually, no, he'd be sort of mid eighties now. When he suppose that's about right. That's I think it's yeah. about. I think they, I think it's about right actually. No, I think you're nitpicking. <laughs> Uh, nitpicking on a classic movie, um, but um, <clears throat> but the point is that if you're going to update it, um, then I mean, who would you? And also, they were like going over. They're going to. They were talking about um, Wolverine being a black guy, and you know, uh, and everyone's getting really upset about it. And it really doesn't. Nothing. Not, not that it doesn't matter. I can understand going like, well, Wolverine is white, so. You know, and you go, okay. I'm always really annoyed that uh, it wasn't Bob Hoskins. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not that he was white; it was that he was a tiny little man who was kind of like a yeah, ball well, of it. yeah. He was like a ball of fur with blades. Yeah, that was it. In the comics, he was always like this guy who's meant to be about five foot, like two or something, and he's tiny, really stocky, really kind but of. But he's like, like super tough. Yeah, he's like a really sort of super tough guy. I'd be guy. I'd be more annoyed the fact that they veered so far away from the character mm. in the movies in the first place. Yeah, and they were kind of doing that a bit in the comics, but the film was really sort of cemented it and went. No, we're not having that. We're going to have a like, guy who's got massive muscles and is tall and good-looking. And it doesn't matter if uh, Cyclops is uh, a black guy or a white guy, um, but what they did with him in the films was sort of like they just relegated him to this really weird, boring character that mm. had nothing to do. And you go, he's the leader. He was always my favourite character was Cyclops in the, in the cartoons. And I just thought it was, um, you know... I just thought it was really weird the fact that they were really unfaithful to the to the yeah. characters in the movie. It was sort of a movieized version of it, which which the comics kind of followed suit and sort of became a lot more like the movies were. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it felt like I mean certainly at the time it felt like yeah I guess that's how you would do a movie based on a comic because that's like there was no real precedent for them then and you go well let's make them a real movie ish and they did some smart things where they put them all in those kind of leathers and things rather than have. Colourful costumes, so it just looked a bit more. Although, but when they brought them out in first class, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, I, I, I mean, I haven't re. I think is I haven't rewatched it since mm. the cinema, and I haven't rewatched any of the X. I really loved X Men too, but I think I probably bought it on DVD and got halfway through it, and then didn't bother finishing it. Yeah, X Men Two is my favourite of them. I remember that being. But they're fine. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. You I don't I mean? think you need to rewatch them. And they went from fine, and then I think. You know, the last couple were sort of well, uh, unwatchable. Well, X Men Three was terrible, and then um, X Men Four was first class, and that was all yeah. right. And then, if it's, say, I, I don't give, re- I don't really give a shit about the X Men films. To be fair, yeah, I like Hugh Jackman in the in the part, but oh. it's so different from what. So then, anyway, so then when you go right, we're going to recast all the X Men films. You go, okay, uh, and I think that they're planning on making their first X Men film in a couple of years. So it won't be for a while, but it's mm. basically it's reverted back to Marvel. Yeah, Marvel have got because uh, Disney bought 20th Century Fox. Yeah, and it's now I saw a thing this week that was saying that they this year is basically the la- they're basically rolling out this year all the last things that Fox had on there, like you know that are already made or well, in production. Dark Phoenix came out and it basically wasn't finished and uh, it was rubbish mm. and the, and. They're just like, well, fuck it, we're just going to release it. I think by this time next year, you're going to start getting the Disney Fox stuff. Is going to start rolling out. I think so. The stuff that's now like that, that have been made since Disney took over starts rolling out this time. Next I'm a year. little bit worried about what all of the stuff Disney owns now. 
Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> um, well, don't they? Is that wasn't it? When they talking about that, they're talking about Home Alone was mentioned recently as like a TV show, and and people got upset about that. But it's like it doesn't really matter about that because I mean, it's already been remade and remade. There's six Home Alone films, yeah, without Macaulay Culkin. Uh, the first two had him in it, and then there was um, yeah, I think there's been four since. Yeah. I mean, they're shit. Yeah. People that are upset about Home Alone, anyone doing anything with Home Alone, hasn't been... Isn't enough isn't of a, a Home Alone fan Isn't a care. Home Alone fan. They're not enough of a Home Alone fan to know that their, their childhood has already been shat on four times. Um, uh, so, yeah, so that's all really weird. But if you're thinking about... like, but they, I mean, they own Predator, they own Aliens, they own... Star Wars. Star Wars, they own... Do they own Lego? That's mm. Warner Brothers. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, but they, I mean, they own, they own everything, seemingly, yeah, except it's for quite DC. Crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and he, he, oh, it's just, I just think it's really, and it, it's not good because it's not a monopoly. It, it, it is a monopoly now. Yeah. So they're in, in, in control of all entertainment. And you think, well, what does that mean? Well, then Disney are opening up a streaming service, <clears throat> which basically means that um, about 70%, 60%, of all the films that are on Netflix, uh, are, are going to come off Netflix. And yeah. so it's all going to go over to Disney. And they've so got that back that catalogue as well. They've got such a great back catalogue going back to the 30s and, you know, or cartoons and stuff probably before that, 20s even, like all that kind of stuff as well. They could, they could sort of bring all that in. They won't. What, to make those available on streaming? Uh, everything's going to be unavailable. <laughs> I mean, <they're, laughs> they've got... I don't. Disney really don't... I don't think they have much respect for... Um, Historical stuff. They used to what, because they used oh, to the take archive the, stuff. They they, what the animation stuff? They used to take animated stuff and release it, but mm. now it's kind of like we'll just remake it. Actually, oh, maybe <clears throat> maybe it's not not as big a deal. Well, they just they take rides and they get rid of it. Like th- I, was, I was watching the thing about the Disney parks, and um, basically he had Disney had a completely non um, sentimental view on. Uh, the rides and it was meant to be like co- constantly updating so people are all upset about the Twilight Zone movie uh, the Twilight Zone ride um, getting replaced with the Guardians of the Galaxy and you go yeah I think so because Twilight Zone feels timeless and Guardians mm. of the Galaxy feels very Flavor much Flavour of the Month yeah and uh, and you could go to the Twilight Zone <coughs> and they call it world building but the queue mm. is incredible and yeah. all of that and yeah, um, in the 90s the Twilight Zone hadn't been on telly for 40 years, was, but I'd still know exactly what it is exactly. and what it's... Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> and Guardians of the Galaxy just feels like it's already dated mm. by the time they've built it. Um, anyway, so if you're going to... So they're not, they're not continuing the uh, X-Men franchise. They're going to reboot it under Disney so that it can join in with all of mm-hmm. like, the Avengers and all of that stuff, right? So if you're going to reboot it, how would you reboot it? Who, who would you rebo- reboot it with? And, you know, there's no one else like Ian McKellen or Patrick Stewart. Uh, so... Yeah, if you want people with that kind of gravitas, that's the right kind of people, aren't so they? So they were just They're like going, like, oh, well, we're going we're gonna to race uh, swap it. Um, I, I don't know if it was that deliberate or you just go like for like and they go, well, you picture anyone, you could have anyone. Mm. And then you go, um, well, who would, they, who would they cast? And then you say Denzel Washington and you go, they'd be fucking lucky if they got Denzel Washington. Mm. But you... you I can't think of a better person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but who are you going to have? Liam Neeson? Yeah. <laughs> That's sort of like the opposite point that you want to make, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but yeah. 
who's the equivalent and you go you know, Denzel Washington he has that amount of gravitas yeah. and also if you link it back to like a civil rights thing and you, you do kind of like a backstory yeah, swap yeah. where you kind of like update the backstory because it can't be Auschwitz and it can't be the Second World mm. War. I mean, I thought that that was pretty distasteful in the first place. Mm. But the point is that they're trying to uh, say that the that this is a serious issue. This is a serious real mm-hmm. world issue that we're dealing with in sort of like a fantastical way. But this is a serious real world issue, and we want to sort of like bring that home by by linking it to mm. the Second World War. Well, funny enough, that's what they always said about the X Men was that that's what the X Men, the the parable of Magneto and was Malcolm Br- X Brixen, and Martin Luther yeah. King. But it was Malcolm X was Magneto, yeah, and Martin Luther King was Professor X. Mm. So it's almost like they got the names mixed up. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. You know? But maybe that's that might be why it was called X Men things. That might have been what the the thinking was. Just two different ways of solving a you know an unsolvable problem of because they're not but good guys and bad guys. No, they've got kind of they're, shades of but they shades are, um, of grey. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of yeah, anyway. So I just thought that that was really um, interesting because I wouldn't have thought. I just think that Denzel Washington is probably better than yeah. a superhero franchise. Uh, yeah, I wonder now though, because it's just what films are getting made, aren't they? It's just like what's out. But it's a it's a it's a job, isn't mm. it? It's a it's a it's a job. You sign on for ten movies, yeah. and, and then... it's it's like a guaranteed <coughs> hit for them, so they don't have to. So if if they're thinking, oh, well, maybe I'll try and get funding for this other project I'm doing, they can pretty much go, well, if I do that one after this, I know I've got a massive hit in between. Yeah. So you can just buoy your own kind of stardom as well. Well, it's like uh, Robert Downey Jr. Not that I mean, Robert Downey Jr. didn't have a career before he did Iron mm. Man. And then all of a sudden it was just like, hey, uh, now you're making like five films a year. Mm. But um, but it's uh, when you, as you're getting to Denzel Washington's age and kind of like Equalizer Two isn't very good and all of that stuff, you go, okay, if I sign on a ten picture deal, at least I've got one of those films every year to keep me in. The, yeah. I think it makes excellent sense. I do. I think for all those guys, I mean, I think that's that's sort of the way of movies. No are. pun intended. Excellent. Yes. Ex. I saw um, Ad Astra the other day. Oh yeah, and I liked it a lot. Uh, it's real, but what it is, it's really <laughs> kind of slow moving. Quite seems quite personal, um, epic science fiction yeah. movie. Yeah, all sort of space movie, but it feels like. I'm surprised they still make. It's nice to see a film like that because it just feels they don't make films like they that. Do, they just doesn't, just don't see stuff Although, like this made on this scale. Having not seen it, um, I saw like posters for it and everything. Uh, so close to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well, where you go, fucking hell, Brad Pitt. It's like they should have spaced it out really, but mm. but um, yeah, it looked like oh, it's both still in cinemas, aren't they? What's the one? What's the Christopher Nolan film? Interstellar. Interstellar. And there was sort of contact, uh, not contact, the one with Amy Adams in. Oh, um, yes. Uh, oh, God, what's that called? Uh, the, the Arrival? The Arrival. And, um, you know, this feels like, and Gravity, and there feels like a load of science fiction f- space films, real life. Oh, and then there was First Man as well. Mm. So there's all these, um, that's not science fiction, obviously. Um, so there's all these, like, space films. Some would say it is, isn't it? You see, <laughs> Ad Astra. And I was like, oh, what's this? And then, was it you that told me? Or someone said, uh, it's basically, it's apocalypse now in space. Yeah, that's what it is. <coughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, with Brad Pitt, I'm 100% sold. That sounds like an absolutely fucking incredible film. We've got to play a song, mate. We've got to play oh, a wow. song. Uh, all right, so I'm going to play a song, and then we'll carry on talking. Oh. 
Mickaël mais Nathaniel Mekal fin club sur FIBA Radio. Oh, we're back. Uh, so, if you had to uh, give Ad Astra one, uh, uh, to give it one, yeah, <laughs> I'd give it. I reckon it's a it's a solid four out of five. I think. Oh, really? Not life changing then. No, no, but it's re- like it's really nice to see a film like that. I think, <coughs> and it feels like again, it's just sort of nice. You go, oh, it's not really tied to anything. It's not tied to a franchise. There's not going to be a sequel. It's just a film, and then it's over. Yeah, sure. But I really, really liked it. You know, it's really sort of I th- refreshing. I, th- I like that. Yeah, I do. I like watching a film that's got a beginning, a middle, and an yeah. end. Sound like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> but what's wrong with that? Nothing. He's right. He's right. I just, I just think it's, I think it's absolute fucking. Oh, really? Oh, you go to the cinema. It's twenty five quid, and uh, you're basically in a part of something. And, yeah, yeah. And, and there's another thirty parts coming out in the next two years. You go right. That's a thousand pounds. That'd be a thousand pounds, please. What? You might, if you want to pay now, to pay up front. I mean, I'm not. I'm anything but tight. But fucking hell. I, yeah. I'm not even that entertained. <laughs> it feels like it's just. Jeremy, you know that's that's why that's the difference. You go and see something like Malcolm X, and you go and see something like uh, Wages of Fear, and you go, "Fucking hell!" That's the feeling that I used to get when I went yeah, to the yeah, cinema yeah. and see something great. You know, I, I I just sort of like watch films on a conveyor belt, you mm. know, and it's just kind of like, "Yes, next, next," just consuming stuff, just yeah. you know. Um, and, uh, and and it's lost its magic for me a lot, really, l- lately. Um, and uh, and then you, it's it's just because I think films are just made differently now, and um, and every so often they do do it old school, and you go, oh yeah, like um, as much as you know, I was conflicted with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I have thought about it for three weeks, mm. and I did really love loads of it. And that's really stuck with me, and yeah. I really love that. Whereas I went to see the last Marvel film, and I was—I can't remember. I know I think I've seen all of them, but I haven't seen Captain Marvel. I don't think. But you're there, and you're, oh, really? I should have recapped this because I can't remember anything about what I'm watching right now. Hmm. And I can't remember. You know, it's just nothing sticks with you anymore. And I think yeah, it's nice. I think it's <coughs> nice. It's a good film to support. I think Ad Astra because it feels like. It's nice to see someone, and also just been to see a kind of film like that where someone has been given a chance to make a film on that scale is kind of rare, isn't it? And it just feels like, oh, it's nice that it's a kind of a big budget movie, but it isn't. It isn't part of the thing. It's just that. It's just. It's just. It's got a big star in it, but that's all it's really got to sell it. Yeah. It's just you know to and it's it'd be nice. And it feels like it almost feels like I can't really. It feels almost like too too much of an actual film for it to be a huge movie as well do you know what I mean it feels like because like I saw it and there's lots of people coming in with popcorn and big drinks and things and you think I don't know if you'll like this mate I don't know if it's for you do you know what I mean it feels like yeah. even though it is like a big movie I think it's it's not gonna be for everyone it feels mm. like it's quite a personal film you know it feels like a proper sure speaking of personal films mm-hmm. um, I bought you a gift I've got you a, it's not really a gift but I've got you something um, this is sort of this is the sort of guys you're listening to. Uh, <laughs> mine's mine's more of a curse. Oh. Mine's like a cursed object. 
Well, mine is more like a gift for the show. Yeah. But I found like this new uh, this movie quiz by Lagoon called What's Poppin' Movie Quiz. Fantastic movie trivia. Now, the questions on the side, uh, you'll know that we were playing, um, what's the name of that quiz that we had before? Uh, 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 Ripley's Games Room. Ripley's Games Room uh, movie quiz, movie trivia, which was just basically absolute shit because every single question that they'd ask you was um, just the most... They're all really have, easy. Really easy, and then they have multiple choice. And it wasn't movie trivia. It was just kind of like... Uh, Been in the world, do exist in the who, world. Uh, who played the Joker in 1989's, <laughs> Tim Burton's 1989 movie, Batman? Was it A, Jack Nicholson? B, Tom Cruise? C, <laughs> Danny DeVito? Or D, Michelle Pfeiffer? And then you'd say, oh, it was Jack Nicholson. Um... Uh, because obviously, but you know that without even getting the multiple choice. <laughs> now, th- skip to this game. Yes. T'Challa is heir to which kingdom in the Marvel movie Black Panther? Wakanda. Right, okay. Uh, this is just off the side of the box. Uh, in the Harry Potter film franchise, I haven't seen it. what does the Hogwarts motto, Draco Dormiens Nunquam Titillarandas, mean? Oh, stumps. No idea. Um,. Um, uh, mag- magic school. Never tickle a sleeping dragon, mate. Okay. Which was the first science fiction movie to win Best Picture at the Oscars? Oh, oh, two thousand and one. Just off the size of just just off the side of the box. Uh, two thousand and one. Oh. Yeah, you got the year. Now, what was the film? Oh, it was in two thousand and one. I was talking no, about. That. <laughs> no, I know okay. you were. It wasn't. Shape of Water. Oh. Uh, I wouldn't call that science fiction though. Mm. I'd call it a shit. Who played the bell ringer? What was the shittest movie to ever win Best Picture at the Oscars? It would be The Shape of Water. <laughs> I thought um, about that the other day. What a weird thing to have happened. That, that it won. And also just like a, like a film that no one's ever thought about since. No. Like no one's ever gone, oh, I loved that film. It's <laughs> a, absolute shit. I mean, uh, it just nicked everything off. Every, you know, story was off splash. Yeah. Um, the concept was from Creature from the Black Lagoon, which, although he's kind of like, he's, he says he's like nodding, you know, a tip of the hat to it. It's basically like, just do the same design. <laughs> he's, he's stolen it. He, it's all ripped off and there's no credit mm. for it. People literally watched it and went, this is great. And 30 go, years later, though, if someone said, no, I've got the Oscar, splash, he'd be like, great. Great film. Splash, it was a great film. Um, who played the bell ringer in the movie Rocky? The bell ringer? Yeah. Quasimodo. Don't you remember in Rocky when uh, the hunchback of Notre Dame... <laughs> so it's what, so uh, he brings the bell in the ring. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, now, I think this is wrong. It says Frank Stallone, Sylvester Stallone's father. Now, Frank Stallone is obviously Sylvester Stallone's brother, brother, unless Frank Stallone's Frank Stallone Jr. and their dad that is... That could called, also be true. Because that could be true. But, so could you look up what Sylvester Stallone's dad is called? Uh, anyway, so this is for you. Thank you. Um, <coughs> open it up. And um, while you're having a look through that, shall I do some fan mail? Yeah. What's my fucking gift, mate? It's your gift? Yeah. Oh. There it is. You've got... Yeah, right. Okay, cool. Well, I think they should have said that on the thing. If it's um, Frank Stallone Sr. It's your copy of Master of Disguise that you gave oh, to me. Oh, what? That's not a gift, mate. It's my fucking DVD that you're giving back to me. That's yeah. not a gift. I said, I've got you a gift. And you said, I've got you something as well. Yeah, you I have got, got me, you something. You got me Master of Disguise starring Dana Carvey. 
I mean, amazing. I had a flashback when I saw that again. Featuring the the characters Gammy Num Nums, Terry Suave. (laughs) It really is inept. Turtle Guy. George W. Bush, that character. (laughs) It's not really a film. Pistachio. Pistachio Disguisey. Pistachio Disguisey isn't a character. He's the main character. (laughs) He doesn't play a a character. He doesn't dress up as... (laughs) Pistachio Disguisey. He is Pistachio Disguisey. If you don't find the name Pistachio Disguisey funny, then you're not really going to enjoy the next one hour, 16 minutes. It's 76 minutes. It's not even a film. uh, Also, I reckon the closing credits of that film are about 15 minutes. (laughs) It's not even a real film. He plays... uh, When was it made? 1998. Is it made in 1988? No, two, oh, 2002. It was made in 2002. And one of the characters he plays is uh, Tony Montana from Scarface. And you go, fucking hell! Oh, my God! Uh, one minute he's an old woman. The next, a turtle man. <laughs> I mean, okay. <laughs> it doesn't. It's sort of... I sort of want to watch it again. It's appalling. One minute he's an old woman. The next... A turtle man. Moments later, President George W. Bush. <laughs> Who is this man? This myth? This master? He's Pistachio, the master of disguise. Pistachio Disguisey, Dana Carvey Wainsworth, is a mild-mannered waiter whose life is about to change, big time. Criminal mastermind Devlin Bowman, Brent Spiner from Star Trek Nemesis. Fucking hell! Brent Spiner! Star Trek Nemesis has kidnapped Pistachio's parents and is forcing his father, Fabrizio, James Brolin, traffic, to steal priceless treasures from around the world. It's up to Pistachio to save the day, but how? The Master of Disguise is an outrageous adventure comedy that's fun for the whole family. Special features. Alternate ending, commentary, three deleted scenes, two featurettes, making of, identity crisis, music video, two outtakes, and theatrical trailer. I mean, how can it have deleted scenes when it's one hour, 16 minutes? I mean, what did they cut out? <laughs> <coughs> anyway, anyway, I mean, if you haven't seen Master of Disguise, don't. It's one of the very few films that I have, it, it, you know, it's like... Um, Oh, it's just... I mean, there's nothing to... There's nothing to... No, it's only its only sort of interesting as a kind of... What happened? What, it, what was going on? Oh, it's got Jennifer Esposito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was quite big for a couple of years. I mean, I mean, she is... It's like a classic example of... Um, when in Hollywood, where they get, like, an absolutely dickhead, asshole comedy main <laughs> leading man and then they cast Jennifer Esposito opposite as them, a love interest as yeah. a believable love interest and you go you're playing a character called Pistachio Disguisey <laughs> Jennifer you've read the script right they must have sold it like this is going to be the new, new Austin Powers yeah. fuck this is the perfect music for this yeah. conversation. It's <laughs> such a sad... It's a sad story for everyone involved. <clears throat> anyway, Five Star Fan Club. This is by Hannah the Platt. Oh, I know Hannah, I think. Oh. Five stars. Stand-up. Thought I'd give this a try, as I love Nick and Nathaniel stand-up separately. Not together. But Fan Club is brilliant. I love all the stories of bad gigs and early fringe shows. It's made me appreciate their comedy... All the more. Even better, and unexpected, 
are all the weird bits of film and music trivia. Makes my pub chat well better. Thanks, lads. Kiss, kiss. It's a nice one. Um, I think even Hannah better and unexpected are all the weird bits of film. That's the show. Yeah, that is all it is. That is all it is. I mean, if you've ever heard us talk about a bad gig, that was the weird off, off, off-roady bit. Emails. Hello. Oh, Hello. The show is good, but why don't you ever discuss Jill's TV like Button Moon, Shira, and Hollyoaks? <laughs> Hollyoaks. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And what Hollyoaks? The show where famously a man got gang raped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that fucking pit. Was that Button Moon? That slice of children's TV. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts and what also. What is the best cheese? Nice one, Margaret. Uh, best cheese is Campazola. It's uh, a hybrid of camembert and gorgonzola, but it tastes more like a blueberry. It's from Germany. Not a blueberry. Not a blueberry. <laughs> best cheese, laughing cow. Uh, sure. Uh, it's camisola. It's the best cheese. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, hi, NNN. NNN. Uh, you are becoming quite the radio hosts. Fuck you, Ben. <laughs> Fuck you in all your holes. Uh, I love the show. Who are your favourite DJs and game shows? My favourite DJ would have to be um, Jonathan King. Uh, <laughs> I suppose you can't say that anymore, can you? Um, <laughs> uh, he was good, though, wasn't he? Uh, Jimmy Savile was always was a good, good one. He was a good one. Um, yeah, I suppose you're not allowed to say that anymore. He did lots of other things other than... Um, now, obviously, uh, I don't like any DJs uh, because they're all... Sexual predators. Including us. Uh, well, we wouldn't go that far. My favourite game show, though, is obviously Better or Worse. Yes, thank you. Nick. And Telly Addicts. Telly Addicts is good. <laughs> yeah. Is Blind Date a, a game show? Sort of is, I yeah. suppose. The prize. Yeah. You get to uh, fuck the uh, person behind the screen. It's not guaranteed. What? <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, would you? Uh, hey guys, would uh, what's your favourite game show? Uh, I reckon when he said Telly Addicts, I went, "Oh, that's good. That's a pretty good one." I like, I like going for gold though. I like the um, "Who am I?" things. I, was, I always quite like those as questions. Where you get the uh, the depleting. <laughs> Wait, put it in the face. <laughs> No, I was uh, I, I was just checking the time because the time isn't on the screen today. Oh yeah, I can see it. Oh no, yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, it, was, it had a little. Um... Go on, never mind. Keep um, talking. <laughs> I like the bit where you did the "Who am I?" bit, and you have to guess who it is, and it gives you little clues, and you get less points the further down. That was a bit of fun. Don't know what that is. I also like what game um, show is that? Name going it. for gold. That was. Oh right, was it? Do you remember uh, the one I really liked as well? It was called... Uh, it was What was the one Paul Ross used to present in the daytime? Uh, it was called No Win, No Fee. Great, no fee. absolutely brilliant game show. Um, Paul Ross, you if you beat Paul Ross at a quiz... He wouldn't get paid. He, you get his fee. Yeah. For doing it. Absolutely brilliant format. Yeah, but you know what happened later? What? 
He bummed a man on a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that happened, yeah. That's unrelated to the quiz, though, right? I don't know. He wasn't getting paid. <laughs> he was on Meow Meow. <laughs> he started, he doing, win enough of the started quiz. doing Meow Meow and uh, having sex with... with, uh, with Strangers with, with in there. Strange men on, uh, on roundabouts. <laughs> well, you know... <laughs> It was a good game show. Not even allegedly, is it? No, I think it's... it's that happened. I think it happened. <laughs> oh, good luck to funny. him, then. It was funny. It was funny. Really funny. He has no denying that. It was definitely funny. <laughs> I can't remember what the joke was, but when uh, uh, when I was at the British Comedy Awards, Jonathan Roth came out and he just did a joke about it. And it was just like, oh, my God, he did a joke about it. It was very funny. <laughs> Uh, I snorted so much meow meow I thought I was dying says married BBC presenter Paul Ross after his jug fueled with a man he meant dogging is revealed yeah. <laughs> I know that the man's called Barry I, I remember that mm. um, <sighs> that's fine um, we've done that. Hi, NNN. Hey, hey, guys, would love for you to... Uh, hey, guys, would love for you to do more food reviews and less comedy in-jokes. Don't understand most of it. Don't listen. <laughs> There's a thing. There's a thing for you. If you don't, that, do you know how many fucking podcasts there are out there that do... Uh, that do probably what exactly what you're catering for? Go and find... Catering, no pun intended. Uh, why don't you go and find that... Right? Rather than telling us what you don't like about our show, why don't you support us? Why don't you actually tell us what you do like about the show? <laughs> We'd like you to do more food reviews. We've done one food review, and that was when a woman came in and brought us cheese. Also, when we, we when said we, we like the cheese. When we got a delivery McDonald's. We did get a delivery McDonald's. Okay, we've done more than one food review. But I'm just saying that if you want food reviews, probably listen to a fucking show that isn't based in its entire fucking runtime about film reviews, you fucking cretin. Thanks, Charlie, for writing in, but I'm fucking absolutely fucking furious with you. I'm going to do as many in-jokes as I fucking like, because it's my fucking time. Well, interestingly, I think um, Hannah Platt, who's in that first review, I think she I think she was doing Big Value last year in Edinburgh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what that is, Charlie? Charlie big Value. It's Big Value? It's a Big Value. It should be called Good Value. Yes. <laughs> oh, but you do get a lot of it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, your name must be Charlie. <laughs> or, you know, you know yeah. it's fine. I don't want to bully anyone, but um, make it very hard, Charlie. <laughs> and finally, last bit of fan mail. Hello, Natty and Nikki. I adore you and your show. Nikki, apart from Alice Cooper, who is your second favourite music? Who is your second favourite music? Thanks, Pops. <laughs> <laughs> I like Pops. Mm. Who is my second favourite music? Who is it? Who is your second favourite music? Number one, Alice Cooper. I do First re- favourite music? I do really like um, ACDC. ACDC. I do really like it, but I also, I think that, I'm, I'm, everyone thinks that I'm really into heavy metal, but I'm not into, I'm into more classic rock than heavy metal. Yes. Um, uh, so there's that, but then, oh... I was listening to um, Otis Redding, Pet Shop Boys, Dolly Parton. I was listening to all of that over the weekend, over the week, the last week. Loved it all. Um, I, I do fucking love Pet Shop Boys. A great band, great band. Amazing. Can we get them on, Natalie? Can we, Can we get, get the, the Pet, Pet Shop, Shop Boys, Boys on? Yeah. yeah. She said, yeah, like pretty standard. Yeah. yeah. Cool, yeah. I'm just, oh, I didn't know that you wanted them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yes, please. Absolutely would love the Pet Shop Boys. 
Lady Gaga stars in the third remake of which movie in 2018? Star is born. Yeah. Um, I mean, what are the rules to this game? It just says general trivia, but they're all movie. Hang well, on. it comes in a popcorn box. <laughs> oh, wait. What? Second one I've picked up. Same question. Lady Gaga it stars in the third remake of which... Does it have one of each? I don't know. Maybe it's it, that. In I, Harry... I don't know. I'm asking you direct questions, but you're not... Go on, what was the question? What's, your, what's the question you were just about to ask? In Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, who finds the room of requirement for Dumbledore's army? Dobby. Neville Longbottom? Does that mean anything to you? I call him Dobby, but yeah, Neville Longbottom, I guess, is what you'd call it if you had to write his name out. Not to be confused with Dobby the house elf, actually. Oh, uh, they that, two that might people? be confusing. That might be confusing. It's confusing to me. I call him Dobby. Uh, no one else in the franchise calls him that. It would be weird, actually, if that came up on the thing. But yeah, I'm right. Okay. Um, Congratulations. So it comes in a popcorn box, but there's absolutely nothing to do with popcorn, right? No, no. But you get two of each question. I don't really understand the thinking behind that. <clears throat> Have you read the rules? Um, no. Well, fucking hell. I just Ages did... eight and up. There are no rules. There's no what's rules. The, what's the hang, on, hang on, I found a bit. Hang on. Oh, my God. Thanks. Okay. The first player to collect one card each from each genre wins the game. How can you tell what it's genre? It doesn't say. It doesn't tell you what genre. Um, very, hang on. The first player to collect one card from each genre wins the you game. You had all of that fan mail to do this. I was answering um, questions. Um, the aim of the movie quiz is to be the first player to correctly answer one from each of the six genres. But they're not listed like that. Remove the cards from the box, shuffle well, and return Dave to Lee the Travis, box. he's good. Appoint the question master to ensure fair play and fair questioning. The question master will pick a card at random and read the question aloud. First player will be able to answer the question correctly, keeps the card. So I guess you've just got to say, what would you say that is? Uh, what would you say would... would was A Star Is Born, is that action, sci-fi adventure, comedy, horror, thriller, classics, or general knowledge? General knowledge? It's none of the others, is it? Michael and Nathaniel Metcalf Fan Club sur FIBA Radio. Hello, uh, you're listening to Nick Helm. <laughs> uh, everyone's left the room, so I'm just going to just say, um, it's, it's, uh, this is Nick Helm's fan club. I know he's looking right at me. No one's left the room. It's just, yeah, it's still, I'm still here. We're joined in the studio now by Tom Crowley. Hello, I'm Tom Crowley. How are you doing? You all right? I'm very well. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're very welcome. Thanks for coming in. Pleasure. Um, have you seen The Master of Disguise starring Dana Carvey? No, I'm fascinated. Don't take it. Yeah. Is it? It's a lucky, cursed object. You it could looks, win this. It's got that lovely look at the front. Like it looks, the official DVD cover looks like a <laughs> rip-off one you'd get down the market. It does, yeah. It doesn't look like a real DVD. No, I don't believe there's a film on there. Mm, no, there is. Is it just like Dana Carvey's showreel, but they've added a slight narrative element? To Pretty it? much. Yes, that's yeah, what it is. Although okay, Dana Carvey uh, made quite an impact on Saturday Night Live doing his George W. Bush impressions he over did. the years. I think actually he did George, George Bush, Bush Senior, yeah. and then he yeah, came back. He came back to do George W. Bush. Did he? Uh, How long have you been off the show at that point? I don't know, but his George W. Bush impression in Master of Disguise, uh, I can understand it not being very good on a live TV broadcast. No, exactly. But something that's been filmed for all time... They can do more than one take on those things, have you heard? Doesn't make any sense. No. It's really weird, though, 
Um, I'd say George W. Bush's inclusion in this is really weird because, I'll tell you this, um, when he was playing the turtle guy... Turtle guy? Yeah. Yep. One of the characters that he plays. Right. Can that do an impression for me now of what the turtle guy sounds like? Turtle, turtle. That's pretty okay. good. Right, That's yeah. better than yeah, nice. Dana Carvey's. Uh, and he invented the character. <laughs> yeah, uh, does, yeah. So the guy, the, the, the character Pistachio Disguisey, plays the character Turtle Guy. Every time you guy. say it. It's Turtle Guy, yeah. It sounds funny, though, doesn't it? It sounds like a funny film. Uh, you know, it's got Brent Spiner in it from uh, Star Trek Nemesis. Star Trek Nemesis, Nemesis yeah. You know? That's what I mainly know him from. Um, and uh, so the Turtle Guy makeup and all of that took hours, and uh, they filmed the Turtle Guy scene on uh, September 11th, 2001. Great. So um, while he was in the makeup chair, the attacks on the Twin Towers would have happened. Uh, and then they went ahead and uh, filmed, filmed the thing. And um, and the thing that's weird about all this is that September 11th, mm. the events of September 11th are really what solidified George W. Bush as the president of that time. Because before then, he was mainly playing golf. He wasn't really doing much. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone thought of him as a bit of like a, a time filler president. And then when... Um, September 11th happened, that's when it really sort of like solidified him as he is the president of the ages where uh, there was this huge historical thing that happened while he was the president and he kind of like coasted on that and, mm -hmm. it, it, and he built a legacy around that. Yeah. But when he was included as a character in Master of Disguise, that hadn't happened yet. That so it was kind of like you've just put in this random impression that you can do. But it is. It's, it makes you think Dana Carvey can actually only do four impressions, and have oh, built a showcase that. around someone who can do. He's four doing impressions. Tony Montana from Scarface, yeah. Yeah. but he doesn't call him that. He, they call him something else. But he's like Tony he's, Spaghetti. But he is like it going, hoo ha, hoo ha, um, <laughs> hoo hey, ha. little cockroach. <laughs> Say hello to my little anchovy. Ha, hoo ha, hey. Say hello to my little. But dressed, dressed as Tony Montana. I'm yeah. Al Pistachio. Ha, ha. I'm Al Pistachio. Ha, 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 ha. Pistachio <laughs> disguise. Ha. This is oh. better than watching the film. No, this is what the film is like. That's right. oh, what right. it's like. So it's exactly the same. It's like that. That's what the sort of dialogue's like as well. It's like that. Amazing. It's what? that sort of like. With with Brent Spiner from Star Trek Nemesis, sort of like playing a baddie with a gun, and like I'll get you next time, and he's like going, hoo ha, hoo, and it's like he's just going, oh god, and it's and it's an hour sixteen minutes. My little friend, my little cockroach, cockroach, oh, oh. uh, But you know he's dressed up as Tony. I mean, look, there's a picture of him as Tony Montana there. Yeah, I've got it. There's also a picture of him down here. As Sorry, the, uh, just to clarify, Canadian Prime Minister. He looks like Andy Samberg <laughs> when he's dressed as uh, Tony Montana, more than Al Pacino. Uh, yeah, that's just. Uh, uh, this is terrible for the radio. Who does he look like? Me, he he looks like the guy out of um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh yes, um, the the main guy. Is that Glenn Howerton? No, is that the, guy, the guy that left and then came back. Oh well, you, or did you he come me. back? I don't know. Who left? Oh, he left later on, didn't right. he, to get a career somewhere else. He it's was in um, he was in the first season of ba -ba 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 Fargo. Okay. Oh, was he now? Okay, I love that show. Yeah, um, he gets a horrible death though. Oh, does he? What happens to him? Spoilers. Uh, or in the first season? Yeah. If you haven't seen it already, I have seen it. Um, Can't remember who he plays. Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, 
is um, he's the keep fit guy with the fake tan. He's the, oh, yeah, he's yeah, the yeah. idiot guy. Oh, and he yes, tapes right. into an exercise machine and he gets shot up. Oh, I and thought it was be worse than that. It's re- no, it's really Knowing horrible. Fargo, a man's head explodes after an air conditioner falls on it. Like you know, spoilers. In the first uh, season? No, later. I won't say who. In or the when. second season? I think it's the third. I no, but like I think that that's like harsh. But like the tone of the f- I, what I didn't like about the first season was that the tone was so like it was it veered between really broad. Yeah. Like, there's a guy in a van selling um, zombie survival kits. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, and it's kind of like, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be in the Coen Brothers universe. No, no. And then, uh, so it was really broad, but then it was also sort of like, and I know the film is sort of mean-spirited, or it's not mean-spirited, it's sort of, look at these idiots, oh, this, look at how... Uh, greed has corrupted them into making all these stupid life decisions. Yeah, yeah. But like the film was just kind of like there's the there's the guy, and it's like it's really the way he gets shot up is just kind of like like they shoot him for ages and ages, and he's right. and you go he wasn't he wasn't a cunt. He was just a bit of a dickhead. A bit of a doofus. What I do though is I selectively forget all the bad bits of all film and telly. So what That's I do great. is I love everything. That's great. Test me. Great way to be. The film Master of Disguise is a title card that says Master of Disguise and then some really nice credits for 15 minutes. You know uh, what? It's like, as a not, concept. They're it's not, not nice credits for 15 minutes, I'll tell you that. It doesn't, none of it, it makes sense because it's also about, like, he's meant to be like a James Bond type, but he's a Master of Disguise. It's, it's everything a about family, it. It's like a family, what is it? I mean, it's a it, 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 family of people that have a gift for being able to disguise themselves. Yeah. It's like in, in a male, there's a male bloodline that's being passed down from generation to generation. Right, yeah. This is already the, so much more involved than I imagined. This the, 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 I know, it's just It like, comes up in an open, I think it's open like an crawl. opening crawl. Like Star Wars. It's like the, the, the disguises, yeah? Yeah, okay. The family the of disguises. With fucking James Brolin from uh, Traffic. <laughs> um, not, not Josh Brolin's dad. Yeah, yeah. Josh Brolin's dad. Shit. He's from uh, Capricorn One yeah. and Westworld and Amityville Horror. He's mm-hmm. fucking incredible, James Brolin. Uh, but uh, he's also in Traffic. Uh, but <laughs> why would you... Fucking hell. His Fabrizio disguise It's all of the disguises. And there's someone really famous that plays his granddad as well, isn't there? Yeah, I think there is. Is it Lawrence Olivier? No. No, who is it? Uh, There's three generations of... of disguises. 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 Two of them are really good actors, but I think that James Brolin must have been cast not because he was right for the part, but because he was available. Yeah. yeah. It's like they want someone of a sp- certain age and they've got like a book, like mm. a spotlight kind of thing, and they're going through them going... Is he available? Will he do it? No. Will they do it? Will they do it? And it's just yeah. gone down list until someone's gone. Yeah, I'll do it. Sharon like, Stone is she free? No. How much? Okay. How much filming does it involve? Half an hour, I imagine. Probably about half an hour. Yeah. It's like yeah, come in and do this. It's I'll just it. and then it'll be like, hey, brilliant, we've got James Brolin. James Brolin's coming in. They go, who's James Brolin? And they go, James Brolin. You know, he was, you know, in, you know, he was, he was, in, tra- he was in traffic. He's from Star Trek Nemesis. It's, it's Prince Spiner. He's from Star Trek. He's from Star Trek. Which Star Trek? I don't know. He's in the last one, Nemesis. Okay, right. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, all right, brilliant. Um, he's coming in anyway. He's, 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 he's. Oh, yeah, no, no. There was, I was watching some Norm MacDonald clips, and uh, there was this. And they were talking, there was a guy that was telling a story that was about um, uh, an award ceremony, 
Uh, oh no, there was, uh, there was, there was a uh, there was a woman on stage and she was introducing th- Joe Pantaleone. Yeah, yeah. From the Matrix. Oh yeah, from the Matrix. Yeah. And she was going, "Oh, this guy's he's a great he's a great actor. Uh, you know him. He was in uh, he was in Bound and he was in The Goonies and he was in The Matrix. You put your hands together for Joe Pantaleone." And she turns around and he walks on stage. and goes, "Oh, I know him." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> So that's uh, that was a Norm Macdonald joke, but um, but yeah, it's like that where jo- yeah, nobody. Okay, it's James Brolin, but like if you don't if you don't know who James Brolin is, then you never will. Yeah, it, it's not Marshall Disguise is not the place to start. No, it's not a good introduction. It's not a good introduction to Dana Carvey. <laughs> It's, well, it's, no, it's, it's, just, it's yeah. like a good introduction to the moving image. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like Combs? films? Yeah. I'm all right. <laughs> all right. If you're showing a baby its first thing, once its yeah. eyes have learned to focus, yeah. don't make it the film master of I hate, I hate films. Yeah. What do you mean you hate films? <laughs> How many films have you seen? I've seen one. What was it? Master of Disguise. Fair enough. Yeah, fair play. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, I love films. Watch loads. Master of Disguise has put me off. All You've got films. to see an awful lot before you can watch that. Oh, is this show over now? This is such a shame. <laughs> this is how it ends. He's, Master of Disguise crushed it. He's reading on the back cover a book called The Master of Disguise for Dummies. <laughs> for fuck's sake! It's not even how to disguise yourself for dummies. It's like the title of the fucking film for <laughs> also, dummies. The for dummies joke sort of peaked in 1995 right and that's I mean, from 2003 it's really played out 2002 come on 2002. Yeah. It, was released, it, it was released fine, fine. the, the course, year yeah. after September the 11th yeah I think it died down a bit yeah uh, they thought now we can grab a headline before everyone was still going on about it fucking hell and he shows up it's just like the four impressions he can do are all put out there from, as like, from uh, what you've told me I'm astonished there isn't a section where he's Osama Bin Laden as well no, no, because he wouldn't be able to do the voice. He can only do four <laughs> voices. Stu <laughs> Turtle guy, but with a turban on. But it's, it's weird because he's sort of like um, the Turtle guy is a guy that he's invented, yeah. right? And Terry Suave is a character he's invented. Yeah. And Gammy Num Nums, <laughs> he's real. Is a character he's invented. But George W. Bush is and Tony Montana. Of actual impressions, you know, <laughs> but and it's kind of like, why have you done those? Yeah, and then he's done a generic Indian. Uh, bra- oh God, there is face, oh my uh, God. snake charm. There is too. Brilliant. Uh, and it's so bad that I'd forgotten that that happened. That wasn't even the, the, the worst, worst thing bit. in it. Yeah. But no, what's worse about it is how boring it is. Oh yeah, and it's a, it's seventy six minutes. It's it always boring. amazes me. Yeah. And Brent Spiner's uh, one thing—I don't know why he, anyone agreed to be in this film. <laughs> Brent Spiner, his his thing is he's a bad guy, and at the end of all of his speeches, he he does a little fart. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds quite good. And then he looks embarrassed. Can I, do you want that? Can yeah. I buy that? Uh, you can he have does. it. Oh, Honestly, great, you can win it. Anyway, so Tom, have you are you plugging anything at the moment? I am. Just... I'm plugging a podcast I've been doing recently called Crowley Time, which is uh, my own sketch comedy podcast. But what's it, what's the USP of it, Tom? Is the, it, do you say Crowley fully Time? Fully naked when recorded. Huh? Crowley Time. Crowley Time. Yeah. Okay. I, I read it as Crowley Time. Oh, well, you can... I think it's open to interpretation. Okay. Crowley Time is how I... Yeah. Crowley yeah. Time. Okay. I might have just spaced it out so people can hear it and then look it up on their podcast app. Okay. But anyway. And I don't have a problem with people uh, promoting their podcasts on uh, our show because uh, you have to have listened to our show 
to have heard order. about someone else's podcast. Exactly. So that's absolutely fine <laughs> by me. Yeah. Fine by me. Crowley time. Crowley time. time. USB is it's just me. We do all the sound effects. All the sound effects, all the music. Do you I mean, have a it's fart at the fan. end of... Have well, thought I, about that? I don't know if I have done a sort of fart, but I feel like, given how the episode so far have turned out, it's not that long before that character would be something I'd In honour of Brent Spiner. Yep. Starship Nemesis. Uh, you should do a little fart at the end of all of your speeches. I can do that today. Just it's to see unbelievable when you say it out yeah, loud. Yeah. That's, what, that's yeah. what they did for the character. Um, so, what, so tell me what Crowley time is. It's about 20 to 30 minutes released whenever on earth I can get it done, uh, wherein I've written all the sketches and I'm doing all the different voices uh, and there's some wizardry to sort of have me talking to myself. And there's that sort no of one else involved. In no, the there's process. nobody else involved. I've had a couple of people uh, help me out with sort of bonus material because I run a Patreon for it and give them some extra material and stuff for that. But uh, for the main series, it's literally just me. And uh, fortunately, it's not as nightmarish as that sounds or as tedious. It's not as bad as Dana Carvey's The Master of Disguise, but in principle, it's very similar. Well, the thing is about that mm. is if, if you... <laughs> If if you actually hit the standard of this, right? Yeah. Uh, up or you, downwards? Uh, uh, upwards. upwards yeah. If you manage to get as good as this, yeah, right. Um, it would be awful. Yeah, but, but I could. But you get did it, Brent Spiner. It did it by you did it by yourself. Yeah, exactly. Which would be an achievement. Exactly. This <laughs> required the involvement yep. of at least a hundred people that all turned around to Dana on set and said yes. <laughs> You know, well you done, mate. Meetings. Keep this up. Keep doing this. Exactly. You know, when you have meetings with producers at different sort of networks <clears> and production companies, and they, they go into a lot of detail about the sort of thing they want to make and also the demographic those things are aimed at. So even before you've written a script or made anything, it's all about who's going to want to watch this. And often you go, well, I don't know. Just think about the number of meetings like that that Dana Carvey went into, and everyone was just like, yep, off you go. I think he went in for one meeting. Yeah. You think so? It can only I be think that. he went like, um, I want to do Austin Powers. Right, and they went sure. perfect. Mm. You're there. You're the other. I reckon there were two. Yeah, yeah. There were two camps of people. There were Mike Myers and Dana Carvey when mm. they split up and they stopped working together. Yep, they fell out on Wayne's World Two, and and I think that Dana Carvey went. I want a little bit of what he's having. And out of the two of them, I prefer Dana Carvey, which is weird, but. Um, but I think he went. I want a bit of what he's having, and he would have had a team around him that would have gone. Let's make it happen. Make yeah. it so. Make it so. Like Brent Spiner. And by the way, here's Brent Spiner. Have you got anything to say for yourself? Hi. <laughs> That's the movie. That is the movie. I, I do want to borrow it. I mean, the more you talk about it, the it's more it sounds of, like just up my street. Do you know what? It, do, it sounds better than it is, which is remarkable. Amazing. Remarkable. Well, it's the boring thing that you were talking about that really gets me, because what's always astonishing is when films can be so poor, and you go away and you go, oh, my. God, this happens, and the like. The room is really boring. Like, it's funny, and if you have that sort of group environment of laughing at it, or just you know you're at home with some mates mm. and you're having a giggle, if you actually watch it, like all you need to watch of the room is the YouTube highlights clip yeah, where you boring. get like I oh, have Mark and all that, and you just watch that, you've done it. Mm. If you watch the whole movie, it's like the Wicker Man remake is one of the most tedious films you've ever seen in your life. And the, the highlights reel makes you go, this film looks insane. Nick Cage, what the fuck's he doing? And yeah. he's punching a woman dressed as a bear. And you watch it, and a huge swathes of the film are just him like standing in a wood looking sad for no apparent reason. There's a bit in the well, I, You know why he's looking sad in the wood. Well, he didn't know they were filming. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's all right. But, um, I mean, the thing about this, uh, Master of Disguise, is that there's no material. Yeah, right. it feels improvised. So he's the turtle guy. 
Uh, fair enough, he would have been distracted on September 11th, 2001. But he was in makeup for five hours, and at not one point during the makeup process did he think, I'll write some jokes. Yeah, no. Yes. Do you yeah. know what I mean? You can write a scene in five hours. Yeah. I think five you hours. Can write, you can write something funny yeah. in two minutes. Yeah, I think that's mate. it. I think it's that when you hear about like films that have got that. Often films where the cast end up like hating each other yeah. are those ones where they go, basically, we spent. When we were filming it, we were constantly trying to top each other's gags and we we're really competitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's that sort of Ghostbusters y kind of thing. You go, you can imagine them all trying to outdo each other and up their games if they feel yeah. a bit. And this is like not that. It's right. like they've just gone, will this do? Look, well, he's, a well, there's not one other comedian that's on Master of Disguise. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. We've got Joe, guess who we've got to play your dad? The hilarious James Brolin. What's yeah. he from? <laughs> Amityville. Yeah. Uh, he was in Capcom, um, one. Capcom um, 1. That's yeah. the thriller. He was in uh, sure Westworld. The other day. Don't remember what it was. Can yeah. we do anything with this set? Is there something funny we could add with this? They've just gone in and gone. It's like they don't really even have a script. They've got a vague... Yeah. It's like it's been made in a sort of Mike Lee style mm. where they've gone in with a vague idea about what's supposed to happen in the scene and then they've just gone, go for it. And they've gone, one take, and they've gone, that'll do. Is it directed by Mike Lee? Is it directed by Mike Lee? It's directed <laughs> That would explain by... it. Oh, can you look this person up? Perry Andalyn Blake. I've okay. literally never heard of that person That before. doesn't surprise me. No. And it's written by... Dana Carvey yep. and Harris Goldberg. Two people wrote the film. Oh my god! Music Executive producers. Oh my god! Who have you got? Isn't it Sandler? Oh, Adam Sandler. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I think happened. I think it's another one of his like mates. He's got like he's given. Is it Happy Madison? There's Sony Pictures. Oh my god! It's not Happy Madison, is it? It makes sense though because they were all friends. It doesn't on say SNL. Happy Madison anywhere. On, I don't think he'd set up Happy Madison by that point. Right. I think it's that thing like you're saying. I think Adam Sandler just often makes films for his mates or well, he I sort of supplies yeah supplies the money to make their uh, or a holiday he like, didn't yeah. anything he didn't direct around the world in 80 days though what did he do on it he designed it oh so Perry Andlin Blake grew up in Los Angeles the grandson of noted Hollywood scenic artist and painter production designer he did the production design on, around the world in 80 days right that's in 2004. That's after his direct. <laughs> Straight back to set design. <laughs> I think you fancy a job uh, you know painting what? a set. Do yes, please. Being in the art department and being a set designer. Yeah, like no, Hollywood sure. movie is the ultimate goal for a lot of people. That is absolutely great. Yeah, good for him. You it's don't normally sort of go from no, no. directing the movie to painting the set, though, do you? Yeah. But you do in this case, and that makes sense. I've only seen the cast. After working yeah. on the Oscar-nominated short Birch Street Gym, Blake designed his first feature, Billy Madison. Oh, right. This began That's a long collaboration with Adam Sandler that includes early favourites such as Happy Gilmore and The Wedding Singer through later films like Click and Just Go With It. I'm seeing a sort of scene in my head, though, where it's like he's worked on the production design of that, and I bet he's lovely. I bet Perry... He's a oh, really yeah. lovely bloke, and Sandler's gone. Oh God, um, Adam McKay's dropped out. Uh, who can we? Um, it was never Perry, Adam McKay. You're here, aren't you? Well, probably not. But, yeah. <laughs> Dennis like Dugan's dropped out. <laughs> Dennis Dugan's <laughs> dropped out. Exactly. To host another barbecue, no doubt. <laughs> 
Um, fucking, uh, he practiced architecture for a number of years, then began designing sets for commercials for cam- companies such as Coke and Nike, as well as the famous Got Milk campaign. Do you know what, okay. uh, what I would he say? Is, got Milk. Um, it says so. But designing I, sets, as well as the famous. Uh, what I would Who say. Who the set for? Got, wasn't it a white background? <laughs> Sure. The Got Milk advert. I, I, I can't remember anything about them. It's the one where they have the milk on the top lip. Milk moustache. What yeah. did he do? Did he design he that? He put some like white guns <laughs> on people's faces. Yeah. Not milk, because that'll just wash <laughs> away, but actually like paint. The segment of click that's set in the future is really well designed. Well, there you go. And did he do that? Yeah. Looks like oh, it. Right, and, okay. and also Billy Madison is in a mansion, and the wedding mm. singer, he had to design, uh, set to design all those weddings. Make it look like the eighties. I mean, yeah. it's not like. I mean, he would have. He, he, he's he's brilliant at what he does. Yeah, you can't say he didn't earn his shot, and you also can't say he didn't spunk it right up the wall. I, no, I don't think that. No, it's, I don't think, I don't think it's his fault. I don't think it's his. <laughs> I don't think it's his fault. It's fault. Nobody is saying no to Dana Carvey on that set. Absolutely not. There's no one. No one's qualified. Yeah. People just like go. Well, I'm not a comedian. I guess it's funny. <laughs> Yeah. No one's laughing, yeah. but I guess he knows. Jennifer Esposito seems to be finding it all, all very hilarious. <laughs> you know, maybe the, he was. It was so funny that the all of the takes were ruined because everyone was laughing. So they had to use the worst <laughs> takes. Yeah. Uh, do you mind being less funny this time, Dana? Because none of this footage is usable. Why didn't so like then the he did all of, all of that? Yeah. All of the. All of the usable footage was the stuff when he was at his worst because yeah. it was yeah, just that too must funny. Be destroyed all the others. Must have been it. Um, you didn't finish telling us about <laughs> your fucking show, Tom. As I say, it's very much like the film Master of the Skies. Yeah. <laughs> me saying yes to me in my room. But you <laughs> do every because it's also like what I quite like about it is it's the you go to some effort. Quite like managing expectations. Because you yeah. go, you have things like sound some effects, effort, yeah. and you have no, but there is like you've gone to like you've gone. You've not just done it in the easiest possible way. No, absolutely It not. feels like you've completely edited it, and you've edited more stuff into it than you'd... I'd be like, I'd be bored at that point and go, that'll do. Well, it's sort of like you... I think it's a nice thing about like doing podcasts especially is because if you've just left to your own devices, you can just go, oh, I'll do a funny voice, that's fine. And like that's very much how I approach stuff like doing an Instagram video of something funny, where you just go, just the quickest, easiest way possible. But I quite like sound design. I've always sort of tinkered about with it doing different projects. And including like plays and stuff as well. I do a lot of the sound design for things like that that I've done as, w- um, uh, as well. And uh, like as a foley artist, not so much. I mean, often it's a bit of like it's it's like it's like a scrapbook, really. It's like a collage. You sort of get bits of pre-existing sound <coughs> effect, like public domain stuff, or you record some custom stuff. And then what's really fun is when you just get to stick a few bits of that together and create a sort of nice new effect, which is quite fun. There's a lot of that in Crowley time. Is is me sort of going. Right, I need some people cheering. I also need the sound of like a fire being lit, and uh, also some children like saying boo. And you find those elements and you stitch them together, and you sort of end up with this lovely different new thing. And also, I think like like anything, which is why no one makes sketch comedy on telly anymore because it's expensive. Uh, and by expensive, they need they mean they need more than one set and costume. And so when you have something like that, you want it to make you want to make a spoof look like what it is. You got a James Bond sketch. It looks a bit shite if you just film it in someone's office. Yeah. But, you know, or you, you do Master of Disguise. Master of Disguise. Now, is there a James Bond spoof in that? Uh, the, basically, the, what it the, is. Basically the whole, the whole thing film. Is. The whole thing is, but they try and make it, it, it just that it's disguised. Really, it just looks really cheap. Everything's really cheap. 
James Bond didn't use many disguises. He many dressed very noticeably like himself and then went in and said, hi, my name's James Bond. Can I have a drink, please? Yeah, it's like, like that, but in, if instead of James Bond turned up, a man dressed as a turtle Indian turtle voice. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want I'm to be the James master Bond. of disguise. I want to be the master of disguise. I want to be the master of disguise. Here's a question. Did Weird Al do the theme song? No. no. Not even. Not like Spy Hard. Mm. It's Spy Hard. The opening, Spy Hard, brilliant, yeah. The opening song for Spy Hard is great. The film's great. not good, though. It's, it's a real like, lesser <coughs> Leslie Nielsen comedy. Mm. And do you know what the problem with Spy Hard is as well? Is that he's, he's having a fun time. Like, Frank Drebin is always like straight down the line, never cracks a smile. Yeah. And Spy Hard is like gurning a bit. Yeah, and, like, oh, and no, uh, no, they no, do no. the same thing when uh, Repossessed as well. I've not seen that. Oh, oh my yeah, God. that's something else. That's dreadful. Fucking Repossessed. But like, it's, it's weird as well to have people other than in those even sort of well that's hmm, hmm. repossessed is kind of well no people didn't really know how to use Leslie Nelson mm. outside of those exactly first true. two uh, naked guns in mm. an airplane uh, people didn't really know how to use him he was amazing there. that third naked gun is a really weird film because um, it's directed by Pat Proft who yeah. wrote the, I think he directed Tommy Boy as well. Oh, was he, did he use Hot Shots as well, or was that? No, I think that was Zucker. That was, Zucker, that was yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, but he wrote on uh, the um, uh, Police Squad TV show. Right. And he wrote all the others, and then he got graduated to director. And it's really weird, because the third Naked Gun is like, they take direct, they, they do direct spoofs from films so they recreate Thelma and Louise and um, The Great Escape and uh, what's the what's the one at the beginning The Untouchables and it's kind of like they yeah. lift direct scenes and they do it in the thing yeah. and the first two films are just kind of like vague genre spoofs of this is like it, almost like a, a spoof of Columbo or something mm. like that where it's the, the the first one especially is like this Los Angeles set and I love the fact that it's set in Los Angeles. It's this Los Angeles set police procedural detective movie, and it's just basically lumping all of these other things. And it's not a specific uh, reference to anything. It's just kind of like a vague genre thing. Yeah. And then they spoof like cliches. And then when you get to the third one, and they're doing like direct scenes, it's kind of like there was still some. There'd be kind of like um, like leaps of fantasy where. Uh, or leaps of logic where, you know, their clothes would suddenly fall apart when yeah, yeah. Uh, they're about to have sex and all that. But there wouldn't be, like, a scene where one minute they're doing one thing and the next minute they're dressed up as Thelma and Louise. Mm. Yeah, there was, there's a sort of the boundaries of reality. There's the Overton window of stupidity that you set. Yeah. Well, it's just that when you've it. established when you establish what the tone is, it's then to mess with that. It's yeah. like what you can and can't do in that world. It's like, right, I get it. And you can pretty much do anything in that world, yeah. except for the fact that you're just directly lifting. Because that first Naked Gun film is timeless. Mm. And then the third one is like, do you remember Thelma and Louise? Because this is a <laughs> joke about specifically Thelma and Louise. Yeah. And you go, oh, right, it's the same. What's this thing, This um, that thing that you just said? What thing that I just said? Oh, the thing about the whatever boundary you were the saying. The Overton window of stupidity. What's that? Oh, the Overton window is like a political... It, it's the I idea just said, that yeah, have, like a new, but I didn't. Yeah, know. well, fair I realise I'm Well, you could have got away with that because I got the impression that you were totally... No, and I think idea. that you should always say, if you don't know something, you should, you should always uh, pipe ask, up. You? you just learn something, I you? didn't know it either. What is well, it? Well, Overton window, I believe, uh, and people tweeting if I'm wrong, 
uh, is it's the idea that there are set boundaries of what is politically considered <coughs> acceptable in the current climate. So right. people, when Jeremy Corbyn became leader of the Labour Party, the idea was that the Overton window, like the left end, had shifted further out because now socialism was, was in the mainstream. And now that Boris Johnson's in charge, well, basically post-Brexit, the right has like shifted way further out, and same as Trump and stuff. So gotcha. we've got a very wide Overton window because people are basically in the mainstream advertising for like full socialism and nationalising uh, everything to be a public business. And we've also got people saying, kick out all the foreigners um, and ban gayness. So you've kind of got both extremes have really widened out, whereas sort of under Blair, you had quite a narrow one where it seemed like you know, Blair and Cameron, everyone was sort of hovering around the centre. Gotcha. So I'm saying there's an open window of stupidity where Leslie Nielsen stepped outside of the acceptable bounds of political discourse by dressing as Thelma and Louise. I get it. I'm going to play I a song now. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do we normally play a song right now? Uh, yeah, we do. We do. I'm going to play. I'm going to play a song. Whatever you like. Uh, no, it's whatever you like. It's oh, your right. favourite song. My favourite song, "Breaking Into Cars" by the Ravenettes. Sure. Is that you spell Ravenettes? Yeah. Anyway, uh, so uh, yeah, no, I heard that song before. Um, Do you like it? Who are they? Uh, the Ravenettes are a Danish band. It's basically, uh, two people. There's a man and a woman. Um, a bit like God intended, and uh, they make this sort of very Motowny, sort of classic rock and roll sounding stuff with a bit of industrial production on it. And they've released like a million albums. Are they recent? Are they now? They're quite recent. Yeah, they're about as Nat said in the break, like about ten years ago, they had one hit called "Love in a Trash Can," which I think was quite big. Mm. But then since then, they've just kept putting out good albums, and no one seems to notice really. The Ravenettes. Ravenettes. Good. You right, heard okay. it here. Recommended. First. First. Ten years. <laughs> into the career yeah yes. yeah right okay the Ravenettes yeah. check it out gotta mm. say I really really do love Roxette there you go it was asked earlier you had to say it. that was asked earlier what sort of music do I like uh, other than Alice Cooper and I'm going to tell you uh, second best music Roxette Roxette <laughs> you can't say that it really does Alice Cooper dis- <laughs> disservice <laughs> suddenly you know but yeah, you say what music are you into? Well, my favourite ever artist is Alice Cooper. People listen, yeah, and then you follow it up. <laughs> <laughs> my second favourite is Roxette, and then all of a sudden people go, "All right, fucking out, you're an idiot." Uh, but uh, Roxette are great. Now, uh, I've got uh, got a treat for all of us oh, today. Yeah. Oh, hello. Um, oh, hello. Mercy it's like stoplights. It's like traffic lights. Yes, it isn't is. it? We got uh, we got uh, red. We well, put them in the wrong order. Amber. Is it red, amber, green? Yeah. Is that the right order? Yeah. yeah. Is it red, green, amber? No, red, amber, amber's green. in the middle. Red, amber, green. Red, amber, green. We've got red, amber, green. So uh, what? Uh, which one are you going to go for? Uh, you've concealed the flavours on purpose, I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go for... Don't green. I'm going to go... <laughs> I mean, what if you can't have green? If I can't have green, I'm going to go for amber. Amber. So what would you go for? I but think delicious. green. Go green. Yeah, but what if you couldn't have? What if you couldn't have well, green? Could I have Tom's amber then? <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go, Nat. Oh no, do you know what? This one's not so bad. All right, I have green then. Oh, actually, this might be the one I didn't like. Okay, great. I'll have that. That's. I'll have red. If Nat Metcalf oh, didn't like yes, it, I've got green. Good enough for me. So I've got mango, <laughs> coconut, and a kick of chili. Who asked for that? I've got uh, Levi Roots Car- Caribbean Crush with grapefruit, mango, yes. and juicy pineapple. Delicious. Uh, I've got. Nice. I've got. Levi Roots' Jamaican Sunset with refreshing watermelon and guava. No, you're insane. This is lovely. Levi Roots' exotic kick and the kick of chilli is very subtle and quite pleasing. Sure. 
Well, I'm glad you like it. Yeah, I didn't mind that. One pound a bottle. Blimey. Can't do, can't go wrong there. Yep, good. Um, this is my fee. I'm happy with it. Just sort us out with a little bit of cash at the end, and that'll be fine. Oh, she's all right. <laughs> that is <laughs> lovely. Refreshing watermelon and guava. Wow, nice. What's the name of it? What's the catchy name? Jamaican Sunset. Jamaican Sunset. What's what's your one? My one's Caribbean exotic kick. kick. Exotic, exotic kick. kick. Should be a, a Caribbean kick, shouldn't it? But they've already yes. done Caribbean Crush. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Caribbean shot crush, himself Caribbean in the foot kick, mm. and Caribbean Sunset. Like, why not Jamaican kick? Jamaican, you can just say, just use a different word. Exotic is Jamaican. Jamaican kick. Uh, Jamaican jab. Jamaican jab. That's nice. Uh, Jamaican jostle. Um, Jamaican. Windrush wank. <laughs> yeah. Boobar radio. Yeah, we can say anything. Uncensored. Yeah. Uncensored broadcast, right. mate. Um, say what we like. Um, but like jostle only means. Uh, masturbate does it I don't think it does which we used to say at school oh really having a jostle the teacher used to say stop, stop jostling. jostling and we'd all go <laughs> <laughs> we had right. one teacher that used to come into the room and go come come and we'd all go that is funny that is funny <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty good oh. and then uh, we had one teacher that used to uh, wank us off oh. what's he doing now well, Nick, did you ever tell anyone about that until now? Because if not, he's probably still waking up kids. That noise that was me scratching my nose. I don't believe it. It wasn't. You can feel your hand coming at me under the table. You weren't jostling. <laughs> Nick Helms continuing the cycle of abuse. Really struggling today. Oh my God, um, radio. Did that help, though? No. Levi Just Riggs, really... exotic jostle. Uh, J- Jamaican. Uh, Ginger cake. Oh, what's it? It's synonyms here on Radio. Sugar crash. So, what was the seconds after you drank your drink? That's a powerful. It was. What's the name after? What's the name? What's the name after? What's another word for chili? Chili. Spice. Spicy. Jamaican spice. Jamaican spice. Where's another place in the Caribbean other than Jamaica? Trinidad and Tobago. Is that in the Caribbean? Yeah. Oh, my geography is dreadful. I don't know is why. Is there anywhere that begins with an H? Haiti. Haiti. Haitian. Haitian, Haitian hot sauce. It's not, it's not Jamaica, is it? No. I mean, he is no. Jamaican. He's Haiti. Haiti's in the Caribbean, isn't it? God, I don't even know. I'm terrible. Gosh, can we check that? Sorry, Natalie. I'm feeling I think Haiti is a negative word because it sounds like hate. So in an advertising thing, you'd, you'd avoid it. That's very offensive, though, to people from Haiti, isn't it? No. no, but it's got that in an advertising way. You wouldn't Haiti. use it because you'd make that association in your head. Jamaican. He's a member Jamaican. of the ADG, the DGA, and the Academy of Arts and Sciences. His films have grossed over $1 billion. Thank you. Yes, they have. But um, Who I'm was that a reference to? Who's that that we're talking about? The fellow who made Master of the Skies. No way. A billion dollars? That's oh, you mean he did the set design on films that have happened to be... Yeah, his films. Right, That's okay. very deceptive. Is that from his IMDb? He's painted a wall on films that have Which he made himself. a billion dollars. Where's it's like Haiti? they've said... It's what they've... Uh, who's, who owns uh, Spider-Man? Who owns Spider-Man? Is it Sony, is it? Sony. Sony. S- is that Sony... What's that there? That's Columbia, right? Mm. Oh, right. Yeah. 
Um, so they basically said, well... Uh, oh, hello now. Sorry, I beg your pardon. <laughs> yes, so I'm almost right. Haiti is a country located on the island of Hispaniola in the Greater Antilles Archipelago of the Caribbean Sea to the east of Cuba and Jamaica, south of the Bahamas and the Turks and Caicos Islands. All right, fine. I still don't think it counts. No, not good enough. Um, Caicos kick. They've basically said that, oh, uh, the seven Spider-Man films, uh, the seven Spider-Man films have made over uh, $8 billion of the the new Marvel ones. The Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. I mean, you can't count Captain America Civil War, can you? Is that what you're counting? That's what they're doing. They're going like... And the Avengers movies And you know, but they made all of the changes to the Spider-Man things uh, so that they could keep the rights... Oh, wait, so, so the, the reason why stuff, Aunt May yeah. is um, so young right. yeah. is because she doesn't bear any resemblance to Aunt May from the comic books. But they're calling her Aunt May. That can't help them. Yeah, but she doesn't look anything like Aunt so May. It's something that, yeah. So they've made enough changes to all of the characters to, for it to be different enough so that they own the rights to that. Fair enough. Works for me, though. Aunt May. Um, so so they can license them from Marvel, but it means that Marvel can't use them without... Without their say so, and that's the other thing that's happened with Star Wars apparently, which is that George Lucas uh, has sold Star Wars to Disney. Famously, mm-hmm. yes, he made yes. a di- deal with Disney. But what he did, what it's emerging at the moment, hot topic, is that he did not uh, sell them outright the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy. So he licensed mm. he's licensed that to them, and he still gets like twenty percent of everything of uh, all merchandise yeah, okay, sure, yeah. so if they do something with Luke Skywalker that's like Luke Skywalker then um, he gets 20% of all of the um, what's called merchandise merchandise yeah right? so was, what they yeah. did was they turned him into a depressive man that lives on, a, on an <laughs> island and then killed him and then killed him and yeah. it goes well that doesn't resemble Luke Skywalker at all does it cunt <laughs> so you're getting none of that money right and that's what they've that's what Disney have done right so they've gone uh, they've changed the um uh, the antenna dish on the Millennium Falcon to a square one rather than a round one. They've just made loads of little that changes to enough, stuff. Surely. They've made loads of little changes <laughs> to everything, and they've gone right. That's the thing. So Darth Vader's not really in, hasn't been in the series because they've gone. Not they don't use the helmet, dead, but they don't want to. Right. They don't want to use like Skywalkers. They kill off Han Solo. Yep. They make and they revert Han Solo back to. He's not the Han Solo from the end of Return of the Jedi. They've just made all these w- really weird changes that basically culminate in them not having to pay George Lucas any money in, right, in yeah. merchandising. And then that's why they've just, you know, they've done the whole new um, uh, uh, Galaxy's Edge uh, theme yeah. park yeah, in, yeah, yeah, in yeah. Disney. Yeah. Uh, but it's based solely on the sequel trilogy. Yeah, but it's also weirdly, like, because I saw someone like, on YouTube who did a little sort of review of it mm-hmm. and was saying that a lot of it's the characters you meet. And I sort of like this rather than just having a million people dressed up as Luke Skywalker. But quite a few of the characters who sort of present stuff to you or speak to you are minor characters from spin-offs. So I think there's people from like Rogue One and like Disney the Clone spin-offs. Wars cartoon. Well, yes and no. Like the, just from the sort of all of the still in continuity Star Wars stuff. But I don't think it's all Disney. Like the Clone Wars cartoon was from like the prequel trilogy, right? And so there's people from that. Like it's it's so uh, strange no. to me. No, I think that's new now. I think because they're doing new ones, aren't they? Are they doing new Clone Wars cartoons? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so there was an. Maybe I think it. I think they discontinued. Uh, I think they. What is it called when it's not? 
it's called like classics or something like that. Uh, oh, legends! Star Wars legends, where it's kind yeah. of like all of the uh, stuff which was previously canon before Disney came along mm-hmm. uh, was kind of like um, the Steve's, not Steve Zahn, the Timothy Zahn uh, books. books. And yeah, yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, Disney came along and said, "We don't want to deal with all of this stuff. Uh, we just want to make new stuff. So we're going to." now put that in a separate thing which isn't canon but we'll call it legend so it can still exist oh that's alright yeah I see because I assume they've just gone like that's all out of print now but like, I, I don't mind the idea well no people people kicked off about it and then they said right we're not going to make any more Clone Wars and people kicked off about that so they're really doing they're, they're doing Clone Wars but this is sort of like a bit of a discrepancy about what what counts now yeah but basically most of the stuff at Star Wars isn't isn't um, uh, it's only part of Disney Star Wars yeah, I don't know. I, I sort of do think to myself... So there were, what, 20 years between Return of the Jedi and The Phantom Menace? 17. In that time, 17, all right. So in that time, you had all these people who sort of felt deprived of having no new Star Wars stuff. <laughs> and all this stuff got uh, got put out. All the books, comics... 17. So, uh, sorry. <laughs> really, I'll leave. The, uh, but yeah, no, so you had all this stuff which was created by all these creatives with like a love of that universe, and they made it. And it always feels a bit like... That's not like actually happened though, as much as the original three films have. So now that they've kind of retconned it and gone, no, 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 everything that happened after Return of the Jedi didn't happen. Only what we say happened happened. I still go, who gives a shit, guys? Like it's all made up. <laughs> Just enjoy it as you go. Sure. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot. It sort of, I guess it depends on how much you invested in it, right? I don't like care I about anything other than the films. No, I yeah, don't. Sure. Don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, I don't give a shit about the TV series, except for I'll, I'll, I want to watch Mandalorian, but I'm not going to buy the. No. Disney service, so I don't know how we'll get to watch that. But What was great was, um, I can't remember who the writer was, but it was uh, Ian Gibson from 2000 AD, because um, they did a load of Star Wars comics, and a lot of them are not amazing. But there was a really good Boba Fett series, just because the art style of him, oh, and yeah. the sort of that 2000 AD aesthetic, suited it so well. Mm. I think that's what you get to, you just get to pick and choose whatever the bits you like, yeah, right? Yeah, so then exactly. you just go, I like that, so I'll have that one in my Star Wars that I like. Mm. And I don't like these other things, so I won't bother with it. But I would rather. I mean, I'm going to say I don't give a shit about anything other than the films. I mean, before Disney came along, I liked two and a half of the films. Yeah, (laughs) you know. Yeah, and you go okay, Uh, and I really did, and I would consider myself a Star Wars fan, but Mm. but no more than that. Now I like like Rogue One and like bits and pieces of other stuff. Rogue One is brilliant. Mm. I think I think that's great, but um, I don't know. I I think it's really weird. I just, mm, I think these, I think these, but these sequels are really weird, and this yeah, new one that's coming, episode nine, that's coming mm. out in like three months. Yeah, it, I mean, or two months. I mean, I could not be less excited about mm. it. It no, sounds it's... absolutely desperate, and that seems weird in itself. I think the fact that it just doesn't feel exciting. But you've oversaturated it, right? Like, because I really yeah, like yeah. Last Jedi, and yeah, I know I'm uh, not at home in this room, <laughs> but. Uh, but it did make me go. I think a lot of people hated about it. I actually really liked, but it, but I still don't go. Can't wait for episode nine. Cannot wait. And part of the problem with that is not only is the advertising and the spin-offs and all of the other stuff everywhere, and uh, and you've had two other films come out of Star Wars, and it's sort of like it does just make it less special. It dilutes it. It's, I've not seen a Marvel film that's. I don't in think ages. it. I don't think it dilutes it. I just think that they've really fucked it by not having a single idea of how to make a trilogy. But I thought it was interesting. But before they set out. But also, I think that The Last Jedi is great if it's the sequel to Spaceballs that you were always... (laughs) (laughs) And it is. Thank God. Should we play the game? 
Mm. Fuck it. Sure, I'm furious again now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a long chat about Last Jedi later. Uh, what? Which button do I press? This is it. Tom, this is Hello. better or worse, Hello. and you have to say whether the next person is better or worse than the person before, based entirely on my own opinion, beginning with Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett, okay. Is Angela Lansbury better than Angela Bassett, or worse? I'm going to say worse. Angela Lansbury is better than better. Angela. Better. All right. Okay, all right. Robin Williams, is Robin Williams better or worse than Angela Lansbury? Worse. Yeah. yeah, worse. I agree. Is Jamie Foxx better or worse than Robin Williams? Worse. He is worse. Is Jamie Lee Curtis better or worse than Jamie Foxx? Better. Better. Is Jamie Bell better or worse than Jamie Lee Curtis? Worse. 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 Is Tony Curtis better or worse than Jamie Bell? Better. 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 Is Morgan Freeman better or worse than Tony Curtis? Worse. Worse, yeah. Morgan Freeman's worse than Tony Curtis? Yeah. Well, for something like your hot alone. Tony Curtis? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Is, is Martin Freeman better or worse than Morgan Freeman? I'm going to say worse. Worse. He yeah. is worse. Is Martin Scorsese better or worse than Martin Freeman? Better. Better. Is Martin Lawrence better or worse than Martin Scorsese? Worse. Worse. He is worse. Yeah. Mm. I feel like you really softballed me there, and I've known you for like 11 years. I feel years. like... Th- Nine. That was, Nine. I, th- I feel yeah. like that was a fix. I had a shaky start, though. I was really surprised. I thought that would be an easy ten. Um, well, what was the one that you got wrong? What was the one I got wrong? It was, was it wasn't into the Martins. Uh, Lansbury. Lansbury. You said Lansbury yeah. was worse than Bassett. Bassett. I don't know. Yeah, I was trying to. Yeah, that's fucking it's mental. A, it's but Morgan, <laughs> Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. It's not as good as Martin. I think Freeman. it's a, no, 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 no. Morgan Freeman's not as good as Tony Curtis. I think Morgan Freeman is better than Tony Curtis. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're high cards. Assault, so I think that was the yeah, one that was there. the most. Mm. Um, the most uh, than Tony Curtis. Yeah, I think so. Only because Tony Curtis is dead. Yeah, and uh, easier to accuse him. The Me Too movement did not what? happen. Tony Curtis is. What's he then? No, he's not Me Too anyway. My, my, I don't even know if, whether this was proven to be. Having okay, let's not it, talk about it. <laughs> Morgan Freeman certainly was was uh, was brought up at one. Oh, point. I think he was, wasn't he? At yeah, one I think point, he was. At one point, yeah. I'm just saying. So you why does the screen just say stop talking? Oh, Tony right. Curtis, um, yeah. I think Tony Curtis has got a lot going on. Mm. I like him. Tony Curtis has got a lot going on. He's got a lot to say for himself. He certainly has. Yeah. There's no Robert Wagner. I would say that is well, the, the most controversial of them. Ro- Roxette never got into the drug scene, but Mary Friedrichsen and Per Gessel, Gessel could drink almost any band under the table, especially Friedrichsen. Marie would always outlast them all. Jessel told, I like your old stuff. She was an Amazon. Good to know. Uh, uh, do you know what? That makes me like Roxette even more. Mm, yeah. Second favourite music. Not, I'm not into drugs, but I uh, do like drinking. You can relate in no that. way do I find that sad. <laughs> so, so, you scored a nine, which That's puts you up there with Reese James, who is also with nine. And it makes you better than Paul Gannon, Nick DeSemley, and, and Naomi McDonald with eight. Yeah. Kevin Allison, Jack, 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 Jack DeCosta. What about Joe DeCosta? Fucking hell. Get the name <laughs> of our guests right when you write them up there, please. <laughs> Lloyd Griffith, Harriet Kemsley, Morgan McLean, The Last Skeptic, David Trent, Toby Williams with seven, Bronte Barbie, uh, Will Jackson, and Ginger Johnson better with than six. Joint and top. obviously, much better than the absolute worst that we had last year which was Sam Ashurst with none, none. Uh, wow, Tom Crowley 
You're a fan of sketch comedy, <laughs> Supercell, <laughs> Sam and Max comics, the Sarah Jane Adventures from 2018. Thanks for coming on and chatting. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. We've um, barely... But Sam we, we did talk about Crowley time. We sure did. Thank you. Let's which is available time. on... Podcast. Podcast. Uh, can anywhere, I just ask always. a quick question? Was yeah. Sam and Max a comic before they hit the road, or were they? It was. Yeah, yeah. It was. In fact, they uh, got most popular because they were part of LucasArts's internal magazine, and they had a regular comic strip feature there. Right, I see. Oh, I did know he used to work for Lucasfilm, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Now he's at uh, Pixar. How is he? Of course he is. Yeah, he's a director there now. Okay, brilliant. Well, thanks for coming in, Tom. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Uh, have a lovely um, afternoon. And, uh, and I'm sure Nat would agree with me. I've uh, had a lovely afternoon as oh, well. Thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Well, yeah. Um, uh, keep on trucking. I promise I will. Good. <laughs> You've been listening to a Fubar Radio podcast. For more information, go to fubarradio.com.